thick of eating right before the show. You were you were right on the button tonight. I gave you a little gave you a little extra time to get your windows together. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And yeah. also like picking food out of my teeth. No, no, take these, your time. These, take your time. These food eating sounds on the podcast. We'll ease our way into this one. That's that's how that's on brand for you though. That's like a what? That's like a thing. No. Yeah, you were on podcasts that involve people making uh, eating noises or coughing or blowing their nose into the microphone. Oh that's, my god, I try not to do that. Well, you're fifty percent now for that, right? So, uh, what do you mean, Roderick on the line? I has don't. Roderick I mean, coughing, he coughs up phlegm. I'm and not blows doing that. Nose. He does that, right? But it's you're on the podcast, and uh, and uh, do by Friday, Max eats right. I get tired with the same brush. Well, you're on the same podcast. I make, fa- then, I make face noises, but I, I try to remember it to mute. And then the other one, you know, back to work, and you're all well behaved. And this one, I felt like we were all well behaved. And now here I go, I got to eat. I'm eating food right before the podcast. What'd you eat? Just had some nuts. <laughs> that's nice. Right. I forgot about your fad diet. <laughs> that's, I don't know how that's part of the diet. Um, I shouldn't say this. Did you get pinged by uh, iMike today? About a potential uh, sponsor? About maybe I did. Hmm. Uh, it's up. It's up your. It's up your alley from your summer project. Just FYI. Mm, no, I did not. Did not I'll make sure. Pain. I'll make sure you're. Uh, you only wake me for the important, important meetings. I'll make sure you're looped in for that one. All right. Yep. 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 Um. I gotta do something. I gotta do something. You know, it's it's just it's you know what no one cares. Kids and food. You know, nobody mm. wants to hear about it. Mm. I think it's inter- I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because food has a role. So far beyond its nominal purpose that everybody knows about this, but I don't think we always talk about it. Food, you know, you know, you got to have food to keep running, but sometimes you have food because you want to be happy. Sometimes you, you slam down food because you're in a hurry. And then sometimes when you decide to change the way you eat, you, I found it very difficult to change my way of thinking about food. I've said this last week, last episode, but you're sticking with it still. You're just, you're eating nuts and stuff. That's not, uh, I don't think that's part of a diet. It's just sometimes I like to have nuts. Mm, I mean, fine. You, you're right. You're getting the, the nuts with the, the nuts from the Walgreens with the nice brand on them. With the exclamation point, right? That's not part of a diet. You just like nuts. I do. I like nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you're not, but... so your kid food thing is like, she's not going vegetarian or anything, is she? Uh, no, she flirts with it. My, um, my lady just did a three day cleanse. Yeah. The cleanses. Speak <laughs> of fad diets. The cleanses. That's not a fad. That's science, John. Is it is it science? Let me explain how toxins work. <laughs> because <laughs> of the environment and industry, uh, the things we breathe, the things in our water, we accumulate toxins. What was it? The, the vitreous humors? What is? I forget the exact phrase. Oh yeah, you on. got bodily bodily humors. You got you got mm. the phlegmatic. You got the bucolic. You've got uh, pedantic. You've got all the bodily fluids, and you want to yeah, make sure. There, we, I mean, we've got Ethernet. Like they yeah. said, Ethernet wasn't the ether wasn't real, but here we are, right? Yeah. Does that, oh, was that RJ fourteen? RJ forty five. Forty five. Forty five. Got in two. Uh, yeah, you want to have the humors. That's a funny thing about old science. Old science is, you know, there's some <laughs> stuff they got so wrong, and some stuff they weren't well, so the, right the, about. Uh, that's what we call that pre-science. Well, some of it, you know, doesn't some of it hold up? Uh, and I think it's, isn't that all pre-enlightenment stuff before the scientific method where they could just have, people would just have a notion and that was enough. And they're just like, yeah, go with that. Leeches. Mm-hmm. Good. Throw them on there. That's gotta be get the bad blood out. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Right. Everyone thinks that makes sense. Bad blood out. Good. Thumbs up. Leeches. Leeches. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think those are still around. Um, 
what else you got? You got all kinds of stuff. You get a major in heads with calipers. You know, they had the phrenology. I think Walt Whitman was into phrenology. They had that well into the 19th century. And, and a lot of, a lot of people on Twitter are still into phrenology. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a good notion, but like, look, the, mm-hmm. that brain part seems important. Yeah. And all we can really do is every time we go in there, like bad things happen. So maybe just from the outside, just see how big things are mm-hmm. and just make decisions based on that. Yeah. Couldn't so, hurt. You know, it's just all, all you needed is uh, a notion. Easier, easier to be a Scientologist back then. A scientician? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Chris Hayes from MSNBC he has a good podcast where he talks to people and his guest today whose name nor book I can remember uh, is a guy who studied philosophy and um, he's, he writes about what's well, something Chris Hayes studied in college. Some this guy did his college stuff about um, epistemology and especially today, the difficulty of uh, this would, I don't know, you don't like podcasts, but this would be kind of up your alley. Cause it's talking about just the, he calls it an ep- epistemological, an epistemic epistemic crisis that we're going through right now. And he digs into it, not, uh, utterly avoiding some of the problems of politics and the ways that certain ways of thinking affect us. But basically saying, like I think, like John Sarkis would say, that we're all vulnerable to trying to parse information based on how well it fits in with our story. But it was a really, it was a really good interview. And, and I need to hear things like that often enough to stop thinking I'm always the smart guy. It's, it's nice to be reminded that everybody's got their reasons why they think they're goofy thoughts. Yeah, you got to uh, you got to fight off that Dunning Kruger or whatever. That I'm, great, I'm great at that. I know I'm great at that. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, how do we even know? You know what I'm saying? You ask you ask yourself that a lot. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's a mini topic that I'm going to insert in yeah. just because uh, I have to tell you, I'm in, I'm in an, I'm in a terrific mood. I'm in a great mood. I have absolutely nothing to say. I have no agenda. I have no plan. You drive tonight because I'm in a terrific mood. I got I got a fresh can of seltzer. Animal mm-hmm. yours. You go any way you want to go. Yeah, this is a, this is a new item. Uh, this is, Ooh. I guess, about the, the meta topic of being old. Uh-huh. Uh, I jam my thumb. You ever jam your thumb? Yeah, like playing basketball and stuff, yeah. That's, that, that, that's where I would most tip, like, fall, obviously, there's the, according to Hoyle, falling down that one does, mm-hmm. but basketball is mainly where I would jam my fingers. Yeah, my, I'm a big thumb jammer. I used to be a big thumb jammer when I was, <laughs> back when I was skiing. Oh, right. It was, you sure. fall when you're skiing and somehow always your, your thumb would end up, you know, you'd catch yourself in the snow or something and your thumb would go down and you jam your thumb. And I remember like part of skiing vacations would be after you jam your thumb, like you'd be at the, the ski lodge, which is a thing. And you'd be like at the big family style table eating at the ski lodge and you'd be like passing like the bread or potatoes down the table and you'd go to like pick up the little container but your your jammed thumb, like you forget, you think, oh, I'm just gonna go pick this up. But you go grab it, and your jammed thumb is like, uh-uh, no, you can't do that anymore because yeah. that requires your thumb to, you know, to be an important part of this lifting procedure. You go to lift it up, and either it'd be extremely painful, or you drop the thing because your thumb suddenly gives away or is weak. Um, but the, so the, the 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 nut graph in that is the forgetting that you have a thing that used to be dependable that's not dependable, mm-hmm. and it's very humbling. When you realize that, that a part gave out on you and you yeah, haven't even caught up with it yet. It's reminding me that thumb jamming was so big a thing that at one point, <laughs> I think my mother bought uh, gloves that had like a metal support. Like they're ski gloves. They had like a metal support for the thumb, like a metal, a, a stiff metal stick that kind of like went down your thumb and then like on the inside braced. Yeah. Like inside the thing and like braced itself wow. against your wrist. The idea that if you fell and jam your thumb, it would transfer the load from, instead of going down your thumb, it would go down this metal thing. 
onto like the larger, you know, half cuff wrap thing wrapped around your wrist. Which I always thought was ridiculous because then you have like I was not a big skier, but I'm is it like a rapier? Is it like you could take your four little meat fingers for the grabbing of the horizontal axis and then your thumbs just kind of rest on top of the poles? It was basically like, you know when you put your thumb in a splint? Like mm, the hospital yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, imagine that only instead of wrapping all the way around the thumb, I think it just went on like one side, or maybe it did wrap partially around, but it was very stiff metal, which meant that when you had this glove on, you couldn't really grab things that and well. That's what I'm thinking. It seems like you would need to grab your poles. Like your thumb isn't actually in the splint part. The splint part is just kind of there. So you can't actually squish oh. your thumb like anyway. It was it was so ridiculous. It was like such an acknowledgement. It's like, look, do you ski a lot? <laughs> Guess what? You're gonna jam your thumb. Uh and so here are some special gloves designed. Uh, for uh, thumb jammers, I was never a fan of them. That's a prophylactic. That's 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 good planning. Yeah, I wonder if they ever actually did anything other than make it extremely awkward to do anything with your weird thumbs. But anyway, I wasn't skiing when I jammed my thumb. I haven't skied in ages. Uh, this time, I was just going up the stairs. It was very very dark. It was after a podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm bleary uh, from you know from all the hard work that we do podcasting, sitting in one place. Don't sell that stuff here. You know how I feel about podcasting. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you're good. Work. You're good and tired. You're 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 done playing your uh, your game where you got a, a gun and a dress and you're ready to go to bed. Yeah, and it's uh well that's that's before the podcast, but yeah. And, okay. Uh, by the time I'm done, it's very often around midnight, so it's late at night for me. You know, I gotta wake up early in the morning. I know. Uh, anyway, okay. I'm going up the stairs and I do the thing. Uh, you know, very very dark because uh, you know, cloudy night, no moon in the sky, all the lights <laughs> are off, and I think there's one more step than there is. <laughs> You know, I'm not laughing at you. I'm I'm laughing out of utter recognition. <laughs> exactly this kind this kind of injury that makes you make this noise. Oh, oh. <laughs> I have so many injuries that involve me going. Oh, oh. I wish the noise that I made was as dignified as what you just did. Oh no! Did you um, squeal? Uh, <laughs> did you go? So, like, so the 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 off by one error with stairs is like. If you think there's one, if you think there's one more than there is, or sometimes you think you are on the last one and there is actually one more, and both of those are bad. But this one was oh, the one yeah. where I thought, where I thought there was one more. I, I, and also, like many things were throwing me off here. Normally, we have a nightlight that's supposed to be on the top of the stairs, and it wasn't, so that would have really helped. Also, we have uh, Christmas stockings, uh, not the official Christmas stockings, but it's an alternate Christmas stockings hanging mm-hmm. on the the banister. Decorative, De- decorative, non functional stockings. Yeah, exactly. They're very nice. My wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're hanging on the banister. Normally, I'd have my hand sort of sliding along the banister in a sort of a pattern. But anything that disrupts your pattern is, again, about being old, can really throw things off. And this is like, now I can't slide my hand along the banister because the hooks that hold the little, the you know, the stockings are there. And I would hit the hooks or whatever. So I was I had to go out of my pattern and, and like, think about something else for a millisecond. Think about the fact that those things are there and then resume. And now I've lost count of the steps subconsciously. Anyway, I go to... Go for the step that's not there. It's not there. I hit it. I fall forward on the wall. I catch myself on the wall. I almost knock over a bunch of pictures, which would have broken the glass in the frames because they're all frame photos. Didn't knock them down. I just sort of skewed them. But my thumb went into the wall in front of me, and I made a very undignified, loud yelping noise. <laughs> Enough that it woke my dog up oh, and no, my wife. Daisy. And they came out, they came okay, out to, see, okay. <laughs> to see what's going on with the, the, the crate. <laughs> With the possum that was just run over by a car out on the landing. <laughs> yeah. And it hurt a lot. And I'm like, oh, and I ran out of water and it was like stiff. And I just had to go to bed with it. And I'm like, oh, I took a Tylenol or whatever and went to bed. And then the next day I woke up and it was still hurting. Uh, and, you know, I'm just, you're, it's the th- my right thumb. So it's really important. The thumb on my dominant hand. And now I can't do anything. And I can't like 
turn on the water with the, the twisty knob thing. I can't take the cap off anything. I'm doing everything like pushing my four fingers into my palm and it's just, it's terrible. Um, you know, and then I'm like, all right, it'll just take a while to heal, but it'll go. I didn't break anything as far as I can tell. Like the, this, you know, it's just, it's just a sprain, a really bad sprain, right? The kind where like bruises under the skin, that kind of gross thing. So it's feeling better. Right. And I come home from work like the day after it happened, sit down in my bed, like Mr. Roger style. I take off my shoes. I go to take off my sneaker, my, my left sneaker with my right hand. And I'd forgotten just like with picking up the thing to pass in the ski lodge that you did, your, your, your potato thumb wasn't working. Yeah, that I, I don't have a thumb anymore. And so I'd forgotten that entirely. So it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm taking off my shoe. I go to grab my shoe and pull it all off. And again, I make this terrible <laughs> opossum caught in a garbage truck thing squealing noise and have incredible pain and hear like a snapping sound, oh, which no. is not good. I don't like those kind of sounds coming from my body. And I basically just re-injured myself. I'm like, how is this? All I was doing was pulling off my shoe, just using my thumb like a normal thumb. And the, the bruises come again. The swelling comes again. My thumb turns purple again it was a total mess um so now i'm I'm being super careful with it today i did not re-injure myself at all i, I think i tried to pull my slippers uh, i got a little bit greedy and then it hurt a little <laughs> bit and i got a little bit of anyway i'm a, I'm a mess over here i can't do anything you isn't know, it crazy it feels- though how much you you don't realize how much your body mostly works and then it's just the smallest little injury like it could be a paper cut it could be anything suddenly makes you realize how vulnerable the whole system is. Yeah, I'm usually used to being like like a beater car where like it keeps running, but it's all messed up. Like my hands now, I still have like the knuckle burns from, from Thanksgiving on them. I have various paper cuts and gouges and also my hands are always just a mess. Like not that I'm a working person, right? But I do have, I do do things with my hands around the house and, you know, Thanksgiving is a big burn thing. I think I tweeted about that. Do you have, do you have knuckle burns from Thanksgiving? I saw your responses from other people that were sharing their knuckle burn stories. Do you have, uh, do you have, is, is Thanksgiving knuckle burn season for you too or no? No, 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 no. Um, well, I, in the time that you've been sharing your anecdote, I have many injuries literally from the last week that I would love to share with you. As far <laughs> as the, uh, Thanksgiving injuries, Thanksgiving injuries, I got sometimes if I'm in an unfamiliar place, like, like a hotel room, I'll, I'll <laughs> misjudge distances and hurt myself. But no, <clears throat> my sister-in-law did all the uh, heavy lifting for Thanksgiving. So I just, I just basically ate gravy. I cleaned up some of the plates at the end because my thumb's good. But no, I, I was pretty healthy for that. How are you injuring yourself in your home? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to bore you with the details. I have s- several <laughs> several of the, I forgot about the wreath. Um, the, um, but you're, yeah, it was, so the, the point of your inquiry, though, is that you pose this as an old man thing. Are you, are you looking for sage advice on whether you can expect more of this? Well, the old the old man thing is and this happened several years ago. And I think I've talked about it maybe even on this very podcast where it was I have a slightly inclined driveway, not very much, but slightly inclined, and very often it's icy. And I remember walking around behind my car, which was parked at the end of the driveway, and instead of placing a foot on the more or less level sidewalk, I placed it on the slightly inclined driveway, and that foot went zoop right out from underneath me. Oh, God. And I went to catch myself on the the trunk of the car, which is right there. And I caught myself in the trunk of the car with my finger that I jammed into the... This is a, this is a finger jam, not a thumb jam. I'm big on jamming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I jammed my finger. And my finger wasn't right for like three years. And that's the old man thing of like... Remember when you used to like jam your thumb at, you know, at the ski lodge when you're skiing? And then it would, be, it would be fine by the end of the vacation? I remember when I could drink for 18 hours and be fine the next morning. I, I remember having <laughs> incredible constitution and hit points. 
where I could recover yeah. from almost anything very quickly. Now, like if I get a phone call and I don't know who it's from, I'm, 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 I'm screwed for three weeks. Like this, yeah. the smallest thing just totally sets me off at this point. Yeah. I still, I still am mostly healing. Okay. From cuts. I hear that like, you know, if you look like your grandparents and like their, their hands are all cut up and it's like that. Yeah. That cut's been there for six months. Like you stop, you, you're, uh, yes. you've lost your Wolverine. Factor. Yeah. Your Wolverine healing it just abilities. goes away. Right. But, but this is like, yeah. So I, I, jam my finger it didn't even hurt that much i didn't even make a noise like oh that that hurt and then for three years my finger was not right so now i don't know how long this thumb's not going to work so this is the old man thing like you injure yourself and i'm not at the point where it never goes away like mm-hmm. like the whole knee thing that you and Roderick talk about or like that your knee is never going to be okay again right i don't have anything like that but I have these injuries that just linger forever and ever. And so I'm really dreading how long it's going to take this. Well, and you're also calling out that, that other thing, which is that now, now you have a vulnerability. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? You could re-injure almost any of that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. My fingers, my fingers finally good. So I'm like, I, I did heal after many years after jamming my finger. Well, I can still tell which one it but is. You're not, but you're it's not even bringing up the, um, the chronic, um, what do you, what do you call it? Like RSI? What do you, what do you call what you've got? Oh yeah, RSI is, di- is different. That's that's more of a uh, pervasive, constantly re-injuring Chronic. injury. But that yeah. that'll that'll. I mean, I, I'm managing that. That is just yeah. yeah it seems like you, not, you are actively on top of that. Yeah, I mean, it's still. Don't get me wrong. It's still bad. It's very similar to my shin splints, which are still there, but I can manage them. But it, it prevents me from being a fully functioning person. But it's just it's there's no avoiding that. Like I can't stop typing and using computers. Is kind of important until I retire, maybe. But we'll right. see how that goes. Yeah. Well, it's been a busy week at my house. Uh, as you know, this uh, <laughs> we're we're in an epoch in which there's lots of projects, and the projects keep appearing, and I have to deal with the projects. There's a lot of projects going on this month, uh, hmm. but let's, these are all literally from the last week. Some of these I can tell you. Several of these are from today. These are things that I have uh, literally done in in the past week that have that have <laughs> caused me pain, discomfort, and making this noise. Ha ha. Um, so let's see. Today is, let's record this Tuesday, December 4th. Uh, we had a real big day, Sunday and Monday. A lot of things had to be moved. You know how we always keep coming back to the tile puzzle? You know, Mm -hmm. we were in a tile puzzle situation because without going into too much detail. And of course, this is the kind of thing you understand when a project comes along, nobody talks to me about how the projects are going to be integrated. It's up to me to figure out how the tiles get moved. I just get a bunch of tiles and I got to figure out where they go. Right. Uh, so in the same short period, short period of time, we had to, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, install two rugs, um, prepare for a new loft bed to be installed in my daughter's room and get ready for Christmas. Now this sounds like three simple and totally unrelated projects, but if you're like me and you understand how puzzles and project management, you know that they were all intricately related. A lot of it comes down to stuff that has to move in the garage in order for something to take its place. Right, so you got the you got the fox, you got the you got the grain, you got the chicken. Even just the, even just the rug, like if it's a very large rug, how do you even get it? Like you got to move the furniture in a series of waves to eventually get the rug down, and then you do all that, and you realize it's slightly crooked or well, it's a foot too far in one. Let position. me let, let me ask you, counselor. Uh, we're getting get a new rug, huh? Uh, what happens with the old rug? Hmm? Yeah, Who, who's gonna move oh, the old rug? It's gonna go on the, 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 the curb for the chuds to get it, right? Uh huh. Oh, got him. Oh, oh, oh. So, so just just so I understand, because I'm I'm a simple country lawyer. In order for us to get a new rug, does that mean we have to get do something with the old rug? Okay. Well, as Michael Stipe says, when, when you throw it away, where's away? Mm-hmm. Does that go in the garage? Sure. Oh, okay. 
Uh, no, I'm not real smart. But uh, if I put that in the garage, where do I move that's currently in the garage in order to get this? This is you don't you don't bring that rug straight to the curb. <sighs> we called. We got a bir. We got a bulky item removal. You get one of those a year, one or two of those a year. Got a bir. Print it out. Uh, Helvetica extra bulk condensed. Put it on mm-hmm. there. Last night, this got taken care of. All you need to know is a lot of projects. The context for this is we have a lot of projects, and it requires me to move my body uh, more often than I would like in ways I'm not accustomed to and with repetition that I'm not at all comfortable with, such that my most basic injury right now is that uh, think, of, think of bending over to do something. Now, think of doing that hundreds of times in a day, and it involves <laughs> heavy things. And you start to understand that your back is a hinge. I know it's not exactly a hinge. I'm not a physician. But you, until if you're not in pain yet, you don't understand the extent to which your back is a hinge. What, what, TV, what TV show was that on where there's a scene where someone with back problems goes to, like, a back doctor, and the back <laughs> doctor goes on this long treatise about how we're not meant to stand? How we're not, me- how we're not meant to be upright? I don't know. I don't know. The human body is not meant to be upright. It's terrible for your back to be upright. Like, there's no avoiding it. Uh, my only comfortable position is asleep. That is the only comfortable position <laughs> that I have in my life. I've had to move a lot of rugs. Oh, but did I mention we got two rugs? So we had to do that entire thing with two rugs. So imagine mm-hmm. a three-dimensional, maybe four-dimensional, six-dimensional tile puzzle that I'm dealing with here. Also, that means we're going to have to move the old mattress so the new mattress can fit in. You can take it out of the surprisingly small box. It fills up. But also now we're going to need to move stuff out of the room to make room for the, for the kid to come and build the loft. And, but to get to the Christmas stuff, we're going to have to move the rugs and the two old mattresses in order to get to the Christmas things. By the way, did I mention we have a tree an artificial pre-lit tree that we have to bring up that's behind with the boxes. Behind. You see where I'm going with this? Your back is a hinge. And my hinge is hurting right now. Uh, this was the first one, uh, which, which is that I had to do tons of lifting and stuff. And I did really good. And I didn't complain about it that, that much. My basic one right now is that my back is a hinge. The other one is that my family needs a breadth and volume of hair products that is utterly puzzling to me. And every surface in our shower that can, that can hold something that you use on hair is covering mm-hmm. that, including the little railing that I like to hold on to when I'm in the shower. <laughs> you the old person I don't uh, know. grab handle. Stop saying that. I don't love it. <laughs> but like if I wake up in the middle of the night because I can't breathe and my back is a hinge and I want to take a shower, I don't want to have to think about, think about whether I am upright. I like to hold on to that. So two or three nights ago, I was having a middle of the night shower because I couldn't breathe and my back was a hinge. And I grabbed that, knocking one of those volume-sized <laughs> shampoo mm-hmm. things off, almost hitting me on the foot, but mainly causing me to go, ha-ha, because I thought I was going to die in the shower. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's, that's fine. No big deal. Today... Yeah, have you moved on to this technology, by the way, speaking of uh, products in the shower, where all of the horizontal services for products are filled, and now it's time to start buying... Uh, wire racks oh, that attach sure. to the wall we've with suction ca- cups. Oh, John, just... we've got a caddy. We've got a caddy with dispensers. Right, but you can just keep adding those. Like, there's well, so much wall. <laughs> well, I mean, now that now the caddy's full and all the corners, mm-hmm. it's nice to have those corners open, but no, no, those all have giant, like, one-gallon <laughs> tubs with a squirter on top. So let's take the entire disability, able, able ability bar, and let's cover that with hair products. And they say when you get into the shower, doors and corners, people, doors and corners. Doors and corners, two right here. And so that's, anyway, that's a small one. Uh, today, uh, I was frustrated because guess what, John? People would put stuff in my area, in one of my areas. One of my incredibly small areas that I like <laughs> to have be mine. I was dealing with my area and moving the very small ramekin that I put my pills in at night. And I knocked <laughs> over an entire box of googly <laughs> googly eyes all over the floor. So I says to myself, I says, why are there so many googly what? eyes? 
Why were there Google? Why was there a box of googly eyes in some close proximity to your pills? Yeah, that's not safe. You're going to be swallowing googly eyes. I could be swallowing googly eyes, but guess what? Because this is because truly now I live. I live in a middle-aged Warner Brothers cartoon, so now I go, ah, because <laughs> the googly eyes go everywhere, and now I'm stepping on googly eyes that are maybe like a little, let's say, a sixth of an inch googly eyes. Mm. Just like, also like stepping on a brown Lego except rounded. See, if, if, you were in, if you were in a sort of medium bad 90s movie when you knocked over that thing of googly eyes... We would immediately we would have cut to a shot of your cat coming out, walking over and eating the googly eyes. No, <laughs> and you say no, no, don't no, eat the googly princess. eyes. And then, and then then we would have a cut to you scooping googly eyes out of the. It'd be just litter. a it'd be a straight like it'd be like a three quarter shot of the cat's face just staring ahead perfectly blankly and then just going. Bleh. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Listen, team, make your next move with Squarespace. Because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever you want to do. You got to get on the Squarespace because it's an all-in-one platform. lets you do what you need to do. There's nothing to install, no patch to worry about, and no upgrades are ever needed you don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I go way back with Squarespace. I'm a huge fan. I use Squarespace uh, for my personal sites, for hosting the Roderick on the Line podcast. Um, like I, I like to remind people occasionally, I don't know if Squarespace is exactly perfect and right for you, but I can't promise you it is right for someone in your life. Please keep Squarespace in mind if you ever encounter friends that need a website because, boy, you do not want to be in the webmaster business, and that's why you have Squarespace. Crazy part is that the Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. You can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com diffs. And when you decide to sign up, please use the very special offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And it will show your support for reconcilable differences. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs for 10% off. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Today I had pho. <clears throat> While I was preparing my pho, uh, I managed to get sriracha and lime juice on my hand <laughs> and I rubbed my eye. <laughs> Um, I was, I was, this is all this week, earlier this week, I have a very specific way that I, that I put the utensils into the holder uh, after I do the dishes. Okay. There are a few things that are very important. Tines go down, blades go down, blades T- tines face down. Yes, because otherwise you got a night, we got to get pointy things in sticking the dishwasher? up. That's not, not what the, the dishwasher. I'm the dishwasher. I'm the dishwasher. Oh. All right. I put them in. It's okay. for safety issues. And I say right. to my got wife, it, I say, can I use my one freebie this week and literally beg you to please, when you put the chef's knife in there, could you point the knife the other way? Because the human eye cannot see the edge as it's reaching for something and you're mm-hmm. literally grabbing onto a blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was supposed to buy my own petard because today when I was putting, a few days ago, as I was putting away my daughter's thermos, the one of the steak knives was sticking through the bottom of the bastic and that cut oh. my knuckle. That's how it gets you. Yeah. No, you think you're safe from the knives, so you point them all down. But guess what? They're on the bottom now. I'm almost done. Uh, we, uh, we, my wife bought a wreath. 
uh, which is kind of too big for our door, and it's a narrow mm-hmm. passage. Um, I got poked really hard in the arm by the wire of a wreath today. Hmm. Um, really hard by the by the wire because it's, it's narrow. And you got to go through. Look at me. See, I'm going through sideways, but mm-hmm. the wreath is now coming into the entry area. And now mm-hmm. every time I walk in, I get hit by a wreath. Yeah, uh, that's fine. That's fine. It's the holidays. Uh, I I'm pretty good. My reflexes are generally pretty good. My reflexes used to be great. Uh, a couple nights ago, I was making myself an adult beverage. Uh, an ice cube bounced once on the freezer, once on the door, and that's a gimme for me. It, that even a two bouncer like that, no problem. You're gonna sn- you're gonna snatch that out of the air like a sna- what is it snatching the rock from the master's palm? Yeah, yeah. I the pulled stone, my, I yeah. pulled my back. I pulled my back <laughs> trying to reach. Yeah, trying to snatch the, the ice cube, cube. like a, uh-huh. like a young man. Finally, uh, the sweatpants that I wear around the house are cut off sweatpants that now create a slight bell bottom effect. The other day, I tripped when my left toe hit, hit the right bottom of my sweatpants, <laughs> and I went oh, ah! and I panicked because I was trapped. <laughs> that's this caught? week. That's this Did it week. Get caught in the sweatpants. Oh, it got good and caught, and then you panic. That's, and when you panic, you make bad decisions. That, that, that's not the obituary you want. <laughs> <laughs> when his toe got caught in his cut-off sweatpants. The decedent, quite... who used to be Merlin Mann, died when his toe was entangled in an American Apparel cut-off sweatpant. Mm-hmm. He cut a dashing figure as he, as he uh, <laughs> foolishly reached for the falling ice cube while his toe was caught in his sweatpants. Uh, uh, the decedent is quoted as saying. So you can look forward to a lot more of these. I remember when these kinds of things were pretty rare and would heal. But now you're right. You're right. We've lost our Wolverine abilities uh, we've lost our sense. I've, I've lost my sense of bodily integrity and symmetry, and uh, I'm still kind of catching up on how odd that is. Yeah, my back thing is like mostly just from like you know programmer's back muscle atrophy from not from not lifting enough things. It was just strange. I'm still yeah. in the phase where like you know we have a lot of snow here, right? And when mm-hmm. we have the snow, I just go out there and shovel it. And I just shovel snow like there's no tomorrow, and I, I still feel like it's a thing I can do because I'm young enough. It's like. I'm not warming up for shoveling. I just go out there and I shovel slow for an hour. You know how many people die doing that every day? Yeah, not from the hard stuff or from the back stuff. It's heavy and wet and it's like, oh, lift with your knees and blah, blah. I just go out there and do it. My back is fine. I don't have back problems. But uh, this is the same person who, you know, a month earlier will be like, will like reach over to get the remote and do something wrong with their back and then like be like injured for the next three days because you reach for the remote wrong. How can I shovel snow for an hour? But if I twist my back in just the wrong way and reach I over know. in just the wrong direction and now it's like your back goes, nope, sorry. Nope. I'm I'm just freaking out. That's a little bit upsetting. I, I always think of, I'll tell you what I remember from my youth is, uh, I've probably said this before, but you know, it's it's certainly you can certainly hurt the very large muscles or large you can, the large stuff is is easy enough to injure but what you really injure what what you can't protect well enough is the small muscles the little things so for me two things uh, roller skating and bowling were two things where I would come home with the most exotic pains hmm. because first of all you think about the work your taint's doing when you're skating you're gonna come home feeling a muscle you had no no idea went so you, high you up may in your be man skating business. Or what part of your body are you skating I'm doing like this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you gotta you gotta unclench well. Then you've got uh, then you got bowling. Think about bowling. Think about like like the crazy. I went bowling recently. Very. I was recently. on the bowl. I was on the bowl. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't on the team. I was in the bowling club. When's the last time you've been bowling? Long time ago. I told you about the bowling because it wasn't proper bowling. Remember yeah, it was we embarrassing. About that? You went to rock and roll bowling, right? Yeah, but but it, but it was still bowling. And yes, there's definitely like think for, you don't remember like I just bowl like I'm bowling normally, and I'm like, right. wow, uh, swinging my arm with that ball on the end of it suddenly is making me feel weird stuff in my arm that I normally don't feel. 
That bowling and batting cages are two where you're going to come home with the weirdest, most asymmetrical pains. If you're old, if you're young, you just do it and there's no problem. You don't think about it. Man, I don't know, I guess. So you got to be careful, you know, put your shampoo. I mean, do you, do you really need all that shampoo? Do you need that many different kinds of very, very large shampoos? I mean, I, I have two. I have two bottles. So I feel bad hmm. that I have two that I don't just have the one because hmm. I, I alternate them. Yeah, right, right. Like you don't want to use the clarifying one all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But you get that Neutrogena? Mm, I don't know what brands I have. Well, you'd know the Neutrogena. It's the I, Neutrogena I have, I have bottle. Head and Shoulders. I got the Dandruff Shampoo with conditioner. Yeah. And then I have, what the hell is it? Oh, I think it's Pantene. Oh, Pantene Pro-V? No, I get the uh, I get the I use two kinds of Neutrogena and I alternate them. I try not to wash my hair too much because you can get addicted. Do not become addicted to shampoo. <laughs> you can get addicted to washing your hair, can oh, you? Oh, you kidding me? Try not washing your try going to washing your hair once a week. You'd be amazed. Your hair, your problem is like That's it's the, like your Carmex. You're putting Carmex you, in your hair, basically. Do you understand how much oil I produce? I've you've told me about it a lot. A lot of moisture in hair. Um, yes. I, I the yeah. amount of oil I produce, I mm. I have to wash my hair every day. Okay. All right. Fine. Uh, I, I I use the brown uh, Neutrogena that is a tea gel. I use I use the stuff that smells like a parking lot, which is my version of Head and Shoulders. Hmm. And then I, I'll do a Neutrogena. Uh, you know the the real the real strip it down stuff that smells like a girl. I like that stuff a lot. You do do those too. I had a girlfriend that smelled like Neutrogena. It was amazing. Yeah. She's environmentalist. They should put that in the ads. <sighs> Kidding me. <laughs> I could, I could, I would, I would answer ads based on some extremely evocative sense for sure. Uh, although, like, yeah. if you made all ads based on somebody's special thing, <laughs> a there'd be a lot of variety of ads, and b a lot of them would be very upsetting. Oh, it'd be so upsetting. <laughs> I have a very long toe. Oh, <laughs> that's good for somebody. Um, I get, you know, if you're a girl, I bet you really learn what appeals to certain subsets of the pie graph. Mm, yeah, whether you want to or not. Yeah, I know. I know. So that's what you have to look forward to. But you know, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy. I'm alive. It's the uh, it's the Christmas is the time to say I love you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we we can smoothly transition to the next old man topic or yeah. related old man thing. This is from a while ago, where you on some other podcast that I now can't remember were talking mm-hmm. about how occasionally when you go to sleep or in the nighttime you will find, or maybe starting daytime too, you tell me that that your that your heart is racing <laughs> as it always will. Yeah, and you didn't get that lyric. We discussed that no, before, which is very it's upsetting. REM, right? It's REM. Yes, yes. Yeah. Half World Away. It's a good song. Good album. Anyway, it's out of time. Um, so, they have the heart racing, and you've got all the Apple things or whatever, but I, was, I felt like I was concerned about this. If you're just hanging out doing nothing and your heart just starts going really fast, like, maybe that's something to yeah, look at. You just think it's just a straight-up anxiety type of thing? <sighs> Do, do you do you get email from people if you talk about stuff like this? Because I get email from people, about, people who are genuinely they think, concerned. They think you're dying and they want you to yeah. go to a doctor, right? Oh, you wouldn't believe how much how much email I. Oh man, the way Scott Simpson's voice sound, I'm pretty sure he's gonna have a heart attack. It's like what? Why? Why are you? Why are you? Oh, they might be right there. I have a I have a high normal. Well, how do I put this? Uh, my heart rate normally just walking around is is slightly higher than most people's it's way higher than my wife's well i mean but but there's so yeah i can understand that but it's the same type of thing where like uh an elephant's heart rate is way slower than a hamster's right and you are Mm. the hamster of a man so you should have (laughs) a slightly higher than normal i don't know what about a hummingbird that's smaller than a hamster yeah, sure. But even like the smaller you get, the faster the heart rate, right? So you. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying it's okay for a bunny to not be able to sleep because his heart's pounding. Right. Well, and I'm just saying for the for your premise of like I have a slightly higher than normal heart rate. I can yeah. see that. Yes, makes sense. Yeah. 
but that's different than the okay slightly higher than normal and like now my heart is going to leap i'm out. not like, sure what this in service is in service of but but i think what you may be talking about was probably from roderick on the line where i was talking about my des- my desire for a biorhythm like device that would help mm, me control yeah. my breath and heart rate exactly I actually, I actually got something that i'm using and working with right now um, no, my, my, the thing is, and I'll, I'll tell you what I tell all my kids, what I, what I came to realize is that, and this might just be self-talk, and boy, I've had some crazy dreams lately. Uh, this might just be self-talk, but what I've learned to say to myself is, well, okay, so here's the problem with anxiety. You can't tell people like John Roderick this because they you know, know everything. But if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're feeling very anxious, it, it, would, be, it would be normal to say to yourself, oh man, I should panic. My heart is beating really fast because I'm anxious. But there is another way to look at that that's pretty legit, which is for whatever reason, my heart is beating really fast and that's making me anxious. I, I, I know that doesn't, that sounds like some weird Kwai Chang Kane kind of stuff, but, but it's, it has a little bit to do with the, like deciding how you're going to feel about a thing. Well, for whatever reason, my heart rate's high. And so I'm trying to exercise more because apparently that helps. But I do know that there is a factor. The reason I brought it up there was I, my sleep app not only tells me this, but I've read this in several places that whatever your... I don't say resting heart rate because that has a specific meaning. But whatever your normal day-to-day heart rate average is, you should be able to bring that down X percentage overnight. And if you're not bringing it down X percentage overnight, you're not getting the quality, depths, and types of sleep that a healthy person needs to have. So one of the metrics I'm trying to work on, I'm not that worried about my my daily heart rate. I do want to bring down my nighttime heart rate, which is tricky because I'm asleep for some of it. Yeah, so I'm not a doctor, but I'm thinking, especially for stuff that happens when you sleep, that there could be all sorts of reasons really. Are you going to try to sell me on the CPAP? No. Jesus. <laughs> there, there These CPAP be people of... are jackals. They re- have you got a CPAP, but you want everybody to get a CPAP. Maybe, I, maybe I'm going to get to that eventually. But like, like there, so there could be, what I'm trying to decide up is, if, is it anxiety related where you're a little high strung and that's why your heart rate's not going down and that's how you can sort of work on it or whatever? Or is there some sort of physical reason independent of your state of mind? And like, can, there's certain things that you can't think your way out of, right? You can't think your way out of clogged arteries, right? I'm not saying that's oh, why your heart is I don't, I don't, you know I don't I mean? think that's what it is. Historically, my, my cholesterol has been pretty good. I don't think so either, but I'm saying, is is there some physical thing that is making your heart rate not go down when you sleep? Because I have to imagine that when you're sleeping, that is the time you are the maybe the least in your own head. So if you're going to do well, some sort ideally, of like yeah. biofeedback thing where you learn to control your own heart rate, that's all you know, well and good. But is that going to help you when you're sleeping? Um, well, there's a lot of handles to this suitcase. I mean, there's some distinctions to be made. Well, there's the basic like, um, am I or should I be concerned about X given thing, which let's set that aside for just a second. Um, then there's the like, is X given thing causing something to happen in this case with sleep? Another angle on that is uh, if we can take it as read that something is happening that's causing this to happen during sleep, is that something you'd like to work on? And I feel like those are very related, but potentially somewhat different things. As far as the health part, I don't know. Whenever I've gotten checked out, everybody seems to think I'm fine. Um, uh, the what's causing it. I think it could be lots of things. I think, well, this kind of gets into the third one, actually, but I think if I tried harder on my sleep hygiene, um, I could get better at it. If I, if I watch less TV before bed, I think that would help. If I definitely um, <laughs> ate earlier, you know, start getting the early bird special, mm. that would help. Um, but I'm constantly experimenting with all this stuff and trying to, to make it better. 
And, you know, my little, one of my three primary sleep apps tells me periodically, hey, you're still not getting where you need to be with your nighttime heart rate. You know, here's some that's been shown that, you know, this is better, that getting your heart rate down is good for lots of these things. Uh, try to get exercise during the day, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's my opening statement on that. Isn't there, I don't know if it's, uh, what the hell is it called? The secret or uh, lots of things where you, uh, where you say something over and over again. Like an affirmation. To- to make something true or whatever, yeah. And I, it just occurs, it occurs to me hearing you talk about these things now and on uh, various other podcasts that during discussions about sleep, you frequently talk about your sleep apps, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. Right. Uh, and sleep apps, A, it's sleep apnea. Like you're, you're constantly saying sleep app, sleep app, sleep app. And B, B, sleep app slurred together is practically CPAP. So you are circling CPAP and sleep apnea you you don't know you're doing it. Every time you say sleep app, you are reinforcing in your own mind the idea that you might have sleep apnea and you need to see. You think I'm doing that? I do that. Sleep app, sleep app, sleep app. What about slap? Yes. Like sleep, sleep slap. Sleep stack. Sleep nap, nap, nap. Nap is kind of app. app. There's a nap. Nap, nap sleep has app. app. Sleep app. Sleep app. Yeah. Sleep stack. Hmm. <laughs> Sleepity, sleep the app. Did he bap? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no. I, anyway. God, I don't, the sheep is a jump in the fence. I don't know why your heart is racing, but it concerns me slightly. Okay. All right. And noted. I appreciate that. When is the last time you got checked out? Because that's what people are going to want to know. John, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to talk about this. Is is it in in a year that started with a two? (laughs) We have fun, don't we? Um, (laughs) You should answer that question because you can preempt the feedback. What's funny is I go in streaks uh, with the quality of sleep. And and here's the thing. So you're a, 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 a nominal friend, which is nice. Um, and an outside observer, but it, it is funny how having this stuff quantified is, it's so weird and interesting. And I thought what you were going to say that you probably should have said is like, is it possible it's stressing you out because you treat sleep like so much of a, as a video game? No, you got medical, you got medical student disease, you know, too much about, about your, because I don't, for all I know, this is exactly happening to me, but because I don't wear a watch or anything else and I don't measure my sleep quality or whatever, I would have no idea. And most people would have no idea, but you, you know, I'll tell you how I think I may be different. From a lot of hobbyists. <laughs> Sleep hobbyists. <laughs> I, I track a lot of kinds of things. I mean, I'm basically like somebody that could be in a This American Life story. I have little funny ways that I track lots of different things. <laughs> That's one of the best descriptions of you that you've ever given. <laughs> Give it back to me. What is it? I, I, I'm uh, the, oh, I don't remember. I like someone that could be, could be in a This American, life. This American yes. life episode. Well, you know, I remember reading a Harper's Index entry in the mid to late mid 90s, probably. About the guy, do you remember the guy, this went around for a while, there's been several people like this, but there was this guy who was like a retired farmer or something, who spent his entire day writing down what was happening in his life. And he would take the stickers from packages of meat and put it into the diary and talk about how much time he spent writing in the diary that day, mm-hmm, and exactly what mm-hmm. the temperature on the front porch was, the temperature on the back porch. Did he ever record the relative humidity? He, he would record <laughs> exactly how much the paper weighed. He did all of this every day. He was, uh, I don't know what you call that, but like... Uh, There are things uh, where I do stuff like that. Part of my um, dedication is way too strong a word. Part of my interest in this is kind of doing my own amateur longitudinal studies. Like, I love the idea of having large (laughs) sets of data. I'm like the class at Yale. Like, the idea to me, it's very interesting to me. Like, so somebody like goes and gets, gets, uh, gets an underscore app, right? Like, you do activity plus plus or, you know, uh, steps plus plus or pull ups plus plus or, Whatever. And you get into it for a few days. You forget to charge your watch for a while. You stop wearing it. Not me. Like, I got multiple sources of data on lots of different things. 
So uh, and I'm kind of going somewhere with this. So my my feeling is <clears throat> it's almost like, you know, getting your head frozen at Alcor. Like maybe they can't fix it today, but they can f- fix it in the future. I'm fascinated at the, at the idea of having not just a week of data, a month of data, a year of data. I'm very interested in looking at multi-years of data, partly because I think it'd be fun to see how my body deteriorates. But also <clears throat> there are certain patterns that are only going to emerge over very long periods of time. So right now, when exist.io says things like, you you weigh more when you're in Washington, D.C., or you get more workouts when you take more steps, all this kind of dumb stuff. <clears throat> I really hope that eventually there's something that can make better use of that and help me find the thing that I really want out of Apple stuff, Apple health tracking, um, is to help me find insights that I would never be able to make on my own. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if I get to the point where I'd like it to get to the point where it can say like, you know, whatever, <laughs> maybe uh, two days after eating shish kebab, you do too much online gambling or like whatever. Like, I would like to be able to have something that would not come out of a month of data. And, and Exist is trying to do that. It's a little, it's, it's kind of like a, like a brilliant seven-year-old where it certainly has its limits, but it's trying. And it honestly does produce some very, very funny data. But I think somebody somewhere is going to be able to aggregate that data into something super fascinating that will show patterns. I can already see patterns. I've told you the biggest pattern. One of the biggest patterns in my life is uh, over the summertime, my step count goes way, way, way down. And it stands to reason. It's because I'm not picking my daughter up and dropping her off every day. Mm -hmm. That takes almost two miles uh, off of my walking every day. Every day I don't pick her up or drop her off. Each one of those round trips is around a mile. So uh, I just think it's really interesting to be able to look at that and say, like, things, whether that's weight, health, mood, food consumption, uh, certainly stuff like heart, uh, breathing, sleep patterns, to be able for those things to all be in the same data muck over like three years, seven years, is just a very tantalizing idea to me. You sure that app's not just like... uh... What do they call it? The, the little person inside a box? Uh, the mechan- mechanical Turk. Mechanical Turk, like, or, or just like a series of uh, a series of fixed strings that are compiled or on the application. Your, your phrase, the, like, how much of it is line noise? Like, who you know, knows how much of that is any like, signal? <laughs> like, you weigh more when you are closer to the center of the Earth. It's like, that's so true. Oh, my God, this, this application knows me. You weigh less. You weigh less on the moon. Exactly. Like, how did it know that? It's like this app. Anyway, so yeah, I, I get the appeal of having lots of data like that. Although, honestly, it, it there is an aspect of it that starts to sound like a uh, a thriller, like a movie thriller, where there's lots of pieces of evidence and it all just kind of comes together at yeah. the end. Yeah, right? I mean, like, you, you can, making your crazy wall larger will not solve the mystery if if there's no mystery to be solved. Yeah, but but it might. But like, you you back away from it sometime 10 years from now and that's just a giant you know, portrait of Dick Cheney made up of <laughs> stats from your, from your life. And you're like, well, yes, yes. And no. Um, I, the, the, the worst habit that I have right now that I could easily break, and it's a pretty benign habit. The worst habit I have right now is making sure every morning in the case of sleep that it got the data. The truth is that all these apps have mostly gotten better at it. I could stand to lose if something goes wrong for whatever reason. I forget to charge my watch, whatever. Um, I could stand to lose a day of data. I'd rather not, but, uh, the truth is that uh, I stopped doing mood tracking, tracking because I never figured out exactly what my criteria was. Like, mood tracking? Well, Self-reported mood tracking? Well, and that's the problem. It's like tagging MP3s. Um, the, just quickly, so there's several different apps that'll do this. Let's see. I think, uh, Gy- I think Gyroscope can do this. One of the sleep apps does this. 
uh, exist does this, uh, uh, usually on wake, I think it's a terrible time to ask, but it'll ask you when you wake up, like how you feel like one to five and you can do it like a diary entry or you can do hashtags and stuff like that. I'd rather have it ask me that at about five. That's when I could tell you if I had a good day. Really, you're asking me how well I slept, which I think should be a, a different thing. But okay, so that that is something that I have to enter manually. Um, the only other pseudo manual thing is one of the apps prompts me to say, how well do you feel like you slept last night? And then occasionally it throws up a notification to say, it seems like you didn't sleep well last night. Click these click boxes for the factors that apply whether you have particularly good or bad sleep. So those are one and a half manual things I will do. Apart from that, every single bit of this is all being captured just in the ether. Like it's just based on wearing the watch. It's based, based on carrying the phone. In the case of some stuff, you know, this hooks up through the dark sky API. So all the weather stuff gets pulled down automatically. Um, location stuff all gets pulled down automatically through gyroscope in this case. So all this stuff is just being captured environmentally is the wrong word. But, um, yeah, so so it doesn't it doesn't require a huge now some of the stuff I do in Google Sheets with other things in my life you don't even want to know, but um, yeah, this stuff mostly just does it on its own. Yeah, the the self reported ones it makes me think of like that those type of things would be better in the same way of like you know yeah Jane Goodall looking at the the gorillas or whatever like the, the, there should be a scientist observing you with a clipboard during the day i know and and noting things about at you least because one, when, at least one right because <laughs> when because when you're when you're doing stuff for animals like you don't have them self-report like press this yeah. paddle if you're feeling good they, they can't be trusted to self-report and neither can people like so you need someone observing you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and writing stuff down like hopefully you don't hear them saying mm-hmm, like they should be behind two-way glass or something right but they can observe you and they will in the same way that your devices record you know the automatic stuff that you don't have any control over it just records what it's there yeah. you need the person with the clipboard behind the one my glass that's uh that's writing stuff down about you during the day and that's where you get the real insights like uh, merlin is really cranky after his favorite basketball team loses or whatever you know after, you're not gonna after, he, after his toe makes him trip on his sweatpants he's very sad for a minute yeah no, he, you become clumsy <laughs> you become clumsy when you're in san francisco This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Simple Contacts. You can learn more about Simple Contacts right now by going to simplecontacts.com slash diffs20. Now, you probably have a bunch of stuff in your life that demands your time. I mean, it is your life after all. You got to go to work. You got side projects. Yeah, you maybe want to play a video game. You know, your kids love your video games. But luckily, you don't have to worry about ordering your contact lenses. Enter Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts online so you can do it from anywhere in just minutes. Their self-guided vision test takes just about five minutes. It's way faster than taking time off to go to the doctor's office. A licensed doctor reviews every test so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. Now, we do need to let you know this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. We recommend you get your eyes fully health examined. Not simple contacts. We'll check that your current prescription still helps you see 2020, and they will renew your lenses based on that prescription. They are not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health. Need to let you know that. Now, simple contacts have all the brands and lens types that you're familiar with. The vision test costs just $20. And the price of the contact lenses, well, they're just unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. On top of that all, uh, they got a special offer for our listeners of Reconcilable Differences. You can join the 5,000 other people who have rated Simple Contacts five stars in the App Store. And to get $20 off your contacts, you just go to simplecontacts.com slash diffs20. 
and use the very special offer code DIFFS20. That's D-I-F-F-S-2-0. Symbolcontacts.com slash DIFFS20. Offer code DIFFS20 for $20 off. DIFFS, 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 DIFFS. You got to go to Simple Contacts. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I'll tell you something I, I, uh, I have to be honest. I used to obsess uh, in a really unhealthy way. I think everybody, nobody wants to admit this, but I think at some point in almost everybody's life on the web, we have obsessed over some numbers. Like, whether that's like a back on live journal, like how many friends did I have? How many comments did I get? Right. Site meter comes along. Like how many quote unquote hits did I get? And then you get into some of these crazy things. You bring up like, um, goes Google analytics. Like you can get some extremely creepy granular data. I was for a while, I was obsessed about like how much traffic 43 folders was getting partly just because that's my personality and it became interesting to me. And then you get into podcasts, which as everybody knows is don't let anybody tell you different podcast statistics are a black art. Like there are so many ways you can count and miscount podcasts and there's so much guessing. I mean, you know more about this than I do, but stuff about like how many streams were pulled down at this time, you know, it's like the difference between a hit and traffic visits, you know, retention. It's it's like the difference between site meter and Google analytics. But you know what I, what I, the way that I finally made my piece and I've tried to make my piece in this case with sponsors is to say, look, I use this, I, I use this system, in my case, PodTrack. And like PodTrack is not perfect, but there's a couple of things I can tell you about PodTrack. It is conservative and it is consistent. So like, I don't know if podcast is right every single second of every single day, but of the things I've looked at over time, it's reliable. I don't know if it's still an industry standard. I've never had anybody say I don't trust PodTrack. But my point is, whatever the system is, as long as it's capturing data the same way over time, I'm not going to worry about it. If my scale is off by five pounds, like that could even be okay over time because it's always the same five pounds. I just don't want to get into the business of like trying to tweak all these different things to get get exactly the right thing from one source. If all all this stuff balances out, uh, I feel like over time, does that sound crazy? Yeah. I was wondering with those services though, that they, they might be changing, like you're delegating, right? To some other thing that you assume is consistent, but they might be changing the rules. Yeah. Well, I mean, get my back on this. I mean, Dan and I have talked about this, but like, you remember back in the day, the, the original thing was hits. And what is a hit? A hit is an HTTP request, right? It could be, it means it's virtually meaningless. So mm-hmm. like, even on an early web page with pencils for HRs and a blinking light, you could have, you know, 50 quote unquote hits in a page load. Like that doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't say anything about level of engagement. Stuff like Google Analytics and all and stuff since then has gone a lot further, but I mean, how much have you kept up? I know this is seemingly off topic. How much have you kept up with podcast analytics? Is it still as ham-fisted as it used to be? I mean, it, it can't help but be that way because it because podcasting, as as we know it and understand it as an open thing, doesn't have the capacity to record the thing that people claim to want to know, which is like, did you listen how to many, the ad? How, did, did, yeah, exactly. Or, like, or, or, put, or how many how many people listen to the ad? Or, or just how many people listen to the podcast, period. Forget about ads. Just listen to the podcast. Because all we have are essentially download numbers, which are at the level of hits. And we don't <laughs> right. even, it's not even as good as the web where you have download numbers for downloads because you can do byte ranges and you can download bits and pieces of it. And it's like, what the hell do I do with that? Right. right? And Or in my case, I have Overcast on three devices plus two computers. So anything that I listen to is being pulled yeah. down on all those different devices. 
So that's, I mean, that's where the wisdom of, like, I don't know, come up with some kind of algorithm that involves the accumulation of byte ranges and downloads and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then just, and then just have that formula and make it consistent. And then at least you can compare one thing to another. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. You could call them like qubits or like do it on a scale from like, you don't even need to be, don't even pretend they're real numbers because mm-hmm. we literally don't know. You like, can just say this, that, this, this podcast got 35 gronks and this one got 40 gronks. Right. And, and you have no idea if literally anybody listened to the podcast. All you know is that some requests to, were made for a server and some, some, di- these types of requests were made to the server and these like, oh, you've got a server logs. That's it. And the server logs, it's like, well, what do you make of this? What do you what do you make of this? I don't know. Does that yeah. look like someone downloaded? Did they download the whole thing? If you download the first half and the second half, does that count as one download? If you download seven little pieces in the middle and those pieces add up to be a third of the thing, is that a third of a download? Like, what does that even mean? And did any of those downloads cause any audio to go into human beings' ears? I don't know. Yeah, and, and I mean this is and this is a, certainly at least some part of the reason that all the jackals want to lock up the formats inside our proprietary Yeah, and apps. get the player, and the player is actually, like, watching you with the camera as you listen to see if you're smiling. Oh, while you, I mean, you know, like, they, knowing down to, like, who knows what people are allowing. It might know location data. It might know you do listen to ads at work, but not at home. <laughs> There's all kinds of... You can get it down to an incredibly granular level if but, it's like your you could be Like, you could be playing a podcast, but if I, if the if the podcast is playing on a device and you're wearing an Apple Watch, and we can tell that you're not near enough to the device to hear it, we don't count it as a listen. Oh, this could be the next thing for Facebook, right? This could be the next thing where they could like use your social graph and IP addresses to triangulate. Like you were, you were looking yeah. at uh, a mattress ad while you had your Apple Watch on as your uncle was listening to Radiolab. But but the thing <laughs> is, like none none of that is necessary. This is getting very far off topic, but none of that is necessary. Like we have existence proof of it not being necessary. Like the trying to maximize the efficiency and the knowledge, uh, like makes people feel better, but it makes the whole system worse. Because if you just think about how television ratings were done with like nielsen families and stuff with like sampling and self-reporting and writing things on a piece of paper and it's terrible or just think about uh newspaper advertising or magazine like we just didn't know we yeah. knew even less and yet somehow entire industries functioned okay circulation would be ba- based on estimates about who who bought or subscribed to the copy plus how many people handled it and read it afterward like did you pick it up in a doctor's office they had the craziest methods for trying to come up with subscriber numbers or right. like and they wish they wish they knew more which is why they love computers but the thing is yeah. when they knew less and when their when their guesstimates were even worse yeah. it was still okay like in the bottom line is you more or less get a feel for the idea of if you have an advertisement on a popular television show the you know enough people see it, 40 gronk see it and then like that's, <laughs> that's like that's all you gotta Look, if you only get, if you only get you, 38 gronks and, and you and you don't get the guarantee right you gotta do it dude got that gotta do a make make good no, we don't, do we don't make good get into that we don't even want to get into that but but yeah so like I, I feel like it doesn't it doesn't matter if anything if the system was worse and more limited that makes for a healthier ecosystem because there, there's more there's more unknowns like trying to get the most efficient total knowledge solution it's kind of like uh, i mean it's not exactly the same but it's kind of like the you know, insurance and actuaries are trying to figure out, like, based on who you are and what your habits are and what your history is and all, like, all these things. They want to know, like, exactly when you're going to die so they can tell how much they can charge you for your life insurance and not lose money on yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, if if life insurance companies knew exactly what you're going to die and what from, uh, in, insurance doesn't work anymore. Like, if you mm-hmm. have perfect knowledge or if, if every insurance policy is perfectly custom tailored with universal, like, uh, you know, knowledge of exactly how everything's going to go down insurance doesn't work like, house, you can't always wins 
Yeah, it's it's like it, you know the whole thing of like dividing people into these little you know tranches or whatever, oh, yeah, like healthy absolutely. people and healthy, and you keep making it narrower and narrower and narrower until you get like you are the only person in your risk pool and you are paying for yourself. And it's like insurance; all you're doing is giving someone some of your money that you could like. It doesn't work if you have perfect knowledge; it makes it not work. So it's the same thing with with advertising. And if you knew exactly what every single person was doing down to the penny, and you're like, well, like. Uh, this person walked into the the other room and came back when the ad was on so we're not counting that one it's like that just it doesn't make for a better system it's better when there there are more unknowns and there is more inefficiency um because if there's perfect efficiency no one can make any money doing anything i took you off yes i agree and thank you for that um i have a lot to say about that we should actually make that a topic um but uh, more about data and health. So, so just to go back, my, my so the interest to me is, yeah, partly it is about my health and things like sleep are things that I want to be better at. But I'm also just part of this little one person human experiment and seeing what data might yield over time. And it's, it's, it's nothing doesn't cost anything, well, per se, to do. It's not difficult to do. But I think the results might eventually be interesting. Uh, so that was my main question for you is, uh, tell me the most impressive insight that you have had based on all this uh, knowledge you're gathering. Um, let's see. That's a very good question. I'm going to think about a more prosaic answer to that. While I'm thinking of that, I'll, I'll read you. So for example, this is, I go to exist.io, where you hook up an API deal, you hook up to a bunch of stuff, it pulls your stuff together, and uh, tries to find correlations and patterns in what you do. It's a pretty good site. Uh, can I read you a few of mine? These are the ones with the strongest correlations. You spend more time active when you work out for a longer distance. Hmm? You want to really think about that one for a minute? It's a, kind of a tautology there. A little bit. It's like almost like a self-defining tautology. Mm-hmm. Um, you climb more floors when you work out more. Mm-hmm. I'll continue. You climb more floors when you work out for a longer distance. You climb more floors when you spend more time working out. Your weight is higher after the days are shorter. You meditate more when you wake less during sleep. You work out for some of these are so funny. Uh, you work out for a longer distance when you have a higher heart rate. I'm not sure how the causation works mm. on that. You climb mm. more floors when you have a higher heart rate. Mm-hmm. Now, I can drill down into more correlations and I can pick. I can choose an act- activity, sleep, workouts, mood, health, weather. Let's say health... Uh, your weight is higher after you get more steps. Your weight is higher when you spend more time active. Huh. Uh, where's the one about Washington? Is that still in here? You wait, your yeah, weight you, is, is anything measuring your food intake? I'm not. Your weight is higher after you spend less time in San Francisco. <laughs> 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 it's so weird. It's so weird. You know, I, um, I had to give up on that. I've tried that over time. I don't have to give up on it. I chose to. Do you do that with your fad diet? You're mostly just trying to group your eating. Do what? Uh, keep track of what I eat? Yeah. Like, do you say, like, I ate half of a rustic apple pie, and it's already I mean, in there. I, I keep track in my head, but no, I don't use You don't any write it down? Kind of, no. Because all I care about is, is like, have you, have you blown your calorie budget for the day? So I can, I can remember what I ate for breakfast. Are you just mentally today. tracking carbs? I'm not tracking anything. I'm just saying, like, I want to eat less. So I think, I think of, like, hmm. what, what's the normal amount I would eat, and what is less than that? Okay. All right. Right. So like a bubble sort. Yeah. I mean, I know what I have for my meals. And like if I if I had a big lunch at work, Mm -hmm. for example, like there was like free meeting food or something and I had a big lunch, I'm going to eat less for dinner. And I'll remember. Now, don't 
pick out a normal dinner because you had a, a huge lunch. But if I had like practically nothing for lunch, I've got a little bit more left for dinner. Uh, and so the, I'm guessing the biggest change there is having the presence of mind to pause for a moment and think about what you've already eaten today. Yeah, just being, just being, I mean, I always know what I ate, but just being aware, using Mm -hmm. that as a factor into deciding how much am I going to eat of dinner today? And the the factor is, think about what you had for breakfast and lunch. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and I'm just just eyeballing it. I'm not going by counting anything or different foods. It's just like, how much stuff did you eat? Uh, Because the, the, it's not close. Like very often I have like a banana and orange for lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I had a giant hoagie for lunch, that's way more than a banana and an orange. Mm-hmm. And so I, you have to scale dinner appropriately. That's that's it. Really chunky, like t-shirt sizing, as they say. You're missing out on all sorts of uh, crap business lingo if you get out of the game. I don't know you that know one. What? Tell me, what's t-shirt sizing? T-shirt sizing, small, medium, large. Oh, I've never heard that. That's good. You just you just want to you just want to size something for uh-huh. like a project plan or whatever, and you don't want to get uh, too granular. Just t-shirt sizing, small, medium, large. That's, so that's what good. I'm doing for my, for my meals. Did I had a, a small, medium, or large? I, I've never heard that one, John. I feel really out this, of the loop. They make new crap business lingo. Would you do me like a favor and start week. capturing those? I would love to be caught up on those. capturing them. Some of them are with you forever. Mm-hmm. Put in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, save it for the offsite. Um, you have a higher heart rate when it's a Tuesday. Yeah, tell me about it. You have a heart, higher heart rate when you're near me. <laughs> this is, this, when you're this near me, is, I have difficulty. Is such, <laughs> it's like, it's worse than horoscopes. They should just get someone who writes horoscopes to just write fixed strings in this application. You have a higher heart rate when you spend less time in San Francisco. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 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 I will tell you about food tracking. I'll tell you about my mother. Um, so, uh, I have a ca- had occasion on some of my fad diets in the past to do that. And again, mostly I did it as a video game. Um, uh, a couple things I had to redo, I had to do it again huh, in the last year or two as a do by Friday challenge. Uh, one nice thing about, I think it was my, I want to say I used my fitness tracker on iOS. Um, they've come a long way, uh, as far as I can tell, not least because they have lots of brand names in there and, and like, not just KFC, like pretty obscure brand names like stuff from like Trader Joe's, not obscure, but you know what I mean? Like you don't have to go in there and like read the back of everything. You just, mm-hmm. it auto fills with the, what you type and you say, how much of that did you eat? So it, it's really not that difficult to do. My wife has done it and had great health and, you know, goal success with that. Uh, the main thing I will say about that, that's so obvious, but it needs to be said anyway. Once you take it upon yourself to change the way you do anything, including or especially eating, and you start tracking it, wow, does it ever make a difference? And a difference in the sense of like, it could make you a crazy person, but like when you realize that you've made a deal with yourself, that if you do eat a pound of chow mein, you have to spec out all all the nutrition and write it down and then live with it. Like (laughs) there's so many levels of having to be honest with yourself in that, that it's, it's kind of sobering. You might try it. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I need to do that because I, I feel like I have a reasonable awareness of what I eat. Like, I'm not, I'm not down to the, like, I, I don't. You're never going to find out if you eat more nuts when you're uh, not in Boston. Yeah, but I, I mean, not not the tracking, but just like the, the specific, uh, tracking the specific foods I eat. Like, oh, yeah. well, you said you had a big lunch, but it was a big salad instead of a big sandwich. Like, I don't, I don't care about the level of granularity. Like, mm-hmm. I, if, if, I, if I wasn't getting results, if I couldn't actually lose weight, I'd be like, and now I need to step it up because obviously my t-shirt sizing is inadequate or I'm misestimating or so on and so forth. But T-shirt sizing works fine for me. Like I'm, I think, but you're right though. For people who haven't measured something about themselves before to start doing it, if you yeah. if you're one of those people who does a lot of things sort of 
I'm going to say mindlessly, it sounds bad, but like... Well, I would say not mindfully. Yeah, I, I don't want to get... Uh, well, no, I mean, like, th- I know... Mindlessly, the problem with mindless, mindless implies stupid or ignorant. Not mindful, it sounds hokey pokey, but like mm-hmm. that just means that you are, you're not putting any active effort into having made a decision that comports with any idea. That you're, you're just doing a thing. And that's how most of us spend most of our time, which is fine most of the time. But if you're trying to stop doing something or start doing something, or in fact, to start doing something as you're trying to stop doing something else, you need an infrastructure. You need, you need some way to know whether you're on track, like hour to hour. It can make a huge difference. Yeah. I do wonder if that's how, you know, just that's how most people do most things. I do wonder about that because I, I feel like I do that less than the average person, like that I, I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm more mindful way, but whatever. Like, the, the, you know, do you, see, do you feel who, like you might be less mindless than the average bear? I'm not yeah. going to attack you. I'm just asking. Yeah, like uh, I mean, you don't find yourself the, like like my classic example. I'm on the phone with Danny O'Brien. I'm on my, my mobile phone talking about the ill-fated life hacks book, the first book I didn't write. And I've told you the story before, but it's a beauty. I'm going. I got two. I got two things to do while I'm talking to Danny. I got to return a library book and I got to uh, send my PG&E bill. And um, I walked up to the mailbox while I was talking to Danny, and I literally put my borrowed copy of the autobiography. Just appreciate the levels to this. On the phone with Danny O'Brien talking about life hacks, I put my copy of, my borrowed copy of the autobiography of Ben Franklin into a USPS mailbox. So that's not mindful. The, the, the yeah, godfather, I, I, I'm talking with the godfather of life hacks about the god-grandfather of life hacks, his book that I just put into a mailbox. Oh, by the way, he also invented the postal system. This is quite a moment for me. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's a... Uh more like absent-minded right yeah i'll buy that yeah uh certainly think, not mindful though yeah no definitely not when i, when I think about the, the mindless things it's like people who don't think about something that they do that that, that person that we talked about with the clipboard would note and write down immediately so for example uh someone who if you ask they uh I don't know. They would say like, uh, I, I basically the normal amount of person would eat. And then if you ask them to report, you know, say, what do you think you eat in a day? And they write it down and be like, okay, whatever. And if you observe them, like they have a dozen eggs for breakfast and a, an entire chocolate cake for lunch. And if you ask them, did you have a dozen eggs for breakfast? They're like, I just had my normal yeah. breakfast. Like, we're like, they just don't know they're doing it's it. Or a, like, way, you, a way of saying it was not any different from what I would normally not notice yeah or just like it's not a thing they think about it's and and if reported back to them it would seem like that can't be right right because it's just not a thing they think about or someone who says like uh i quit smoking years ago i only smoke at parties and and so so guess estimate how many cigarettes you had in the last month they'd be like i don't know like one or two and like the person with the clipboard goes actually it was 347 and like no i had like one or two it's like no 347 we counted them all Mm-hmm. That's the type of even though even though you were there, right? even though you were there for every right because your mind your mind like puts the big blank spot in your memory and it's like you will not remember this in the way that it actually was because you know like the I don't know if it's denial or whatever but just the way your brain protects itself from from yourself. Oh oh my god, that's now we're back to the yes one hundred percent one hundred percent the stories and, 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 not like, and sometimes about stupid things about yes. you know like how often do you remember to turn the light off like it's not it's not all dire or like whatever it's just something people's your brain does well it's 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 a word I used on back to work today it's integrity it's like do i am I the person who I think I am like am mm-hmm. do I have and you know I think integrity it gets too much of a moralistic spin on it i think and think of integrity as being a kind of wholeness like Right. Like you're that like this, this glass has integrity because it holds water and isn't broken. 
And like integrity in that sense is like there is alignment between who I think I am and how I do. Yeah, and, and nobody, you know, has perfect uh, self-awareness, but that's what, when you mentioned before that most people go through their life, like, I, I I think that's somewhat true. Like, in some respects, like, the happier and better adjusted someone is, the less they're in their own head about the specific things they do. And if every if, if everything's okay and all your habits are reasonable and normal, it's good not to constantly be thinking about anything like that. Like, yeah. you should just, like, you shouldn't be thinking, that if, if we could all not think about what we ate and whether we turn the lights off and how many cigarettes we had in a month like that would be great if all those things worked out. But that same mechanism that lets us have happiness when things are okay, mm-hmm. lets us to continue to think things are okay when they're not uh, in fairly dramatic ways. And there's a lot of, speaking of you know, this American life, there's a lot of episodes of the NPR type shows and, and podcasts or whatever that are about that exact phenomenon of someone who to a person with a clipboard there is there's a serious problem going on but to the person who's in it they are oh, yeah. not aware well it's also heavyweight yeah yeah i don't know if i, I think i must have told you this but i did a terrible thing on new year's eve 1978 um my mom and i went to she had a real she called them her girlfriends like these three women that she sold real estate with who were really really cool you know they smoked a lot and stuff and um one of them was the was uh, as it happened was the wife of uh this pretty cool guy, but he was uh, like old Cole from Kentucky. Like they, they're the first people I knew that had a house that cost over a hundred thousand uh, dollars. They had this really nice house and they're pretty cool. And we we're really tight friends with them. And we went there for New Year's Eve, 1978. And you know, you know how I'm insufferable. You're expendable is what you are. <laughs> because rabbits are expendable. I, uh, I was bored. And at some point, uh, somewhere near the end of the night, as it happened, um, her husband, I happened to notice in my, in my uh, travels and studies that he smoked a brand of cigarettes nobody else smoked. And I went through every ashtray in the house and pulled out every cigarette butt that he had just because I needed a project. The, you can see how my brain got the way that it is. Or, You're a precious child. I was a sweet, precious angel. <laughs> and I, I Flitting from ashtray to ashtray like a, like a tiny nicotine fairy. <laughs> Like a little, no, I'm more like a little, like a little bee. Like a little, like a little match girl. <laughs> I'm the opposite of a match girl. I'm a butt girl. Um, so I go, I, I'm, butt, I, this is, I'm butt boy. <laughs> butt boy. Is it a different thing? Butt boy. Have you found my brand? Mm-hmm. I went through every ashtray in their house and collected every snuffed out cigarette butt from that night. And, and like a, like a, like a cat with, with a half eaten rat. I walked up to my them cleaning up, and I said, "Look, here's all the cigarettes Mr. Davison smoked tonight." <laughs> and he was so understandably furious at me because I presented him, I want to say, eighty cigarette butts. <laughs> I mean, no, like two eleven-year-old handfuls, like a lot, a lot, a lot of cigarette butts. And, uh, and in retrospect, I think about it, and uh, I'm just covered with shame that I did that. That was such <laughs> an awful thing hand, to do. Then your hand smelled like grandma. Uh, then uh, he quit smoking. Really? I, I unintentionally shamed him. So unintentionally. I just thought it was a larf. I thought it'd be funny to like go find all, all Dan's cigarettes. And uh, yeah. Yeah, but eventually... That's, that's he, funny about the, about the 70s and smoking, because it's mostly post-smoking enlightenment, where we more, people more or less knew it was It's a very different world today. A very different world. But but still, like the idea that uh, that you could present lots of cigarette butts and like that there was the the sort of agreement amongst everybody is that like more of these is bad and less of these is better, right? That that, mm-hmm. that no one is debating 
you know, if, if we, if well, they went the around, shocking, the shocking part is like, who would even do that? Like everybody smokes. What an odd thing to do. Right. But there's still, there still was an understanding that there's something like smoking might not be the end of the world, but like if there are lots of cigarette butts, that makes me feel worse than if there are fewer. And yes, that, yes. that is not up for debate, but also it's not front of mind either because it's like, that's kind of thing like, we don't really want to talk or think about the fact that we're all smoking, so let's just just do it. Even though we all more or less know it's probably not a great thing in, in this by the seventies. I mean, on the continuum, not. it's on the side. The line you would hear as like uh, you know, whenever there was a heavy smoking character, and you'd have to smoke a lot to be regarded as a heavy smoking character, like on a TV mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And the line would be, "I really need to cut down." Mm-hmm. But even yeah. that, even that was along the lines like, of like, "I shouldn't okay have to do the extra slice of pie." It was like a cake. You got chocolate yes. cake once in a while, but you know, like the, the it's not. It's not like CBD oil where there's no unsafe dose. There was an unsafe dose, but I'm in the safe zone. So they've been presented with all the butts. You're like, well, maybe it's maybe I'm not in the safe thing. It still hadn't come around to the idea that maybe zero is the safe amount. Still not there yet. <laughs> zero is a percentage. You're right, but but enough to say that maybe this is not a great thing. And that's that's a definitely that's a perfect example of people sort of. Uh, blanking out that spot in their mind because they, mm-hmm. and especially today for smokers, if, if you ask any smoker, I will pay a th- you a thousand dollars if you if you answer this question honestly. Ready? The question is: Is smoking good for you? They will all say no, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. Or if they'll say, you know, do, do you uh, do you wish that you didn't smoke or whatever? But but they're going to spend all day thinking about that. Like they have to blank that part out and just say, this is just a thing I do, and I will address it if I need to address it. But in the meantime, let me just get on with my life. Mm-hmm. And so I will not think about that. I'll put that over there in a corner. I'll have the big blank spot. Yeah, this compart- gets into, it's compartmentalization. Yeah. Yeah. This gets into homecoming if we ever get to it, but, uh, nah, we or, won't. or, or, or eternal, sun, eternal sunshine or whatever. Uh, but uh, what was I going to say about the smoking thing? I still, in one more Merlin anecdote, I still have a very specific recollection of, I want to say 81, 82, um, probably 81. My mom had gone out and, uh, long story short, uh, you, you need to get a real estate license in order to sell real estate. She'd moved to Florida. She did not have, Florida real estate license. She'd gone to a course and basically she went away to, I think she went off to like take the test. But anyway, the point of the story is she had to go to Orlando for a couple days and she came home furious because she had been getting ready for classes and she'd gone to breakfast. And as you do, she'd had a cigarette after breakfast. And she said, and you would not believe what happened to me. She said, a man walked up to her in the restaurant where she was smoking her cigarette and said, would you mind not smoking? I'm trying to eat. And she was two days later, she was still not just simply mad. She was shocked by that. So foreign was that idea in the early eighties that you could even like, you just, you would not do that. You would never say that to somebody in a restaurant. Of course you're going to smoke at restaurants. You just ate. (laughs) So weird. It's so weird. And then, of course, then I, told, I think I've told you the other anecdote that uh, when I worked at the restaurant in high school and in 1980, I want to say five, uh, maybe January 1st, but a new law came into effect that you had to have a non-smoking area. So the manager or the owner sent me to the hardware store in the other part of the strip mall to buy a no smoking sign. Uh, and he put it over the single worst table in the uh, restaurant. And that was the non-smoking section. It was a different time. It was a real different time. Yeah, the complaining about the, the, the would you mind not smoking? like. 
I can see that still happening today if someone was smoking in a place where smoking was allowed. Because she was smoking in a place where smoking was allowed. She wasn't in the non-smoking section. She was in the smoking section, which may have been the entire restaurant. There right? was so, no – there at that time, you were still years away from even being required to have a non-smoking section. Right. So she is technically allowed to do that. But this She's other person, expected, you know, this I mean, other person decided that this thing that you're doing, you're not bothering anybody. You're just doing a thing that everybody does that is a, a thing that is allowed. It's as if you, it's as if you were eating and someone came over and said, would you mind eating with your left hand instead of your right? You'd be like, am I not allowed to eat with my right hand? It's like right. I, I would just feel more comfortable if you ate with your left hand. And yeah, you'd I'm have trying, the same indignant. Yeah. You'd have the same indignant story. Yeah. You'd have the same like I what I'm doing wasn't. Wasn't bothering him. You crossed the line into a thing you're not allowed to acknowledge, uh, let alone uh, ask a change about. Yeah, and, and the blank spot in people's mind then is the idea that smoking is a thing that doesn't bother other people. Like it's mm-hmm. quiet. You're by yourself. You're at your table. I'm not bothering anyone. Like the, the, what they what they are blanking out in their mind. The big giant eraser that's over the spot in their mind is the idea that it it's not something that doesn't affect other people. It is incredibly easy to notice that there is noxious stinky smoke coming from you and going into their space but that part of your mind is blank and you're saying i'm not no. bothering anybody i'm over here i'm i'm quietly smoking my cigarette like how i'm am i going over your table and poking you in the eye no i'm just right, i'm smoke. not bothering you what's the what's the problem am i eating with my right hand or my left hand and that that was the blank spot that lasted for a really long time and took a long time to convince people even with the not it's like we've got the non-smoking section mm-hmm. like we solved the problem then right yeah the, the magic force field that uh, keep the smoke out will solve that problem. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Kane 11, the company who makes ridiculously comfortable socks in precisely your size. So here's the deal. The socks you're wearing now are probably a one size fits all, but you know, we don't all have the same size feet. That's why they have sizes. Folks at Kane 11 thought that since we wear socks every day, they deserve innovation. Kane 11 men's merino wool socks offer a precise fit. Their name comes from the 11 available sizes. That's 7 through 17. 17 is a big sock. You'll be amazed when you feel the difference of socks that truly fit. Kane 11 socks are made in the USA. They are engineered for a precise fit or for even better fit, comfort, and performance. Good socks. They're high quality and hold up through wash after wash. And remember, these are made with merino wool keeps your feet warm in the winter and cool in the summer. They were kind enough to send me a couple pairs of these, and they're great. They totally fit my feet. It's got the size right on the bottom in case I forget. Super handy. Cane 11. All purchases come with the Cane 11 promise. If for any reason you don't love your socks, just send them back for an exchange or a return. There will be no questions asked by Cane 11. Cane 11 socks make the perfect gift for the guy who has everything. He definitely, definitely doesn't have, have a pair of these. You need, need the Cane 11s. Once you wear Cane 11s, you'll never go back to the one-size-fits-all socks again. Won't happen. To get your own Kane 11 socks in precisely your size, head on over to Kane11.com slash diffs. And when you're ready to buy, use the very special offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S for 20%. 20% off your order. That's so many percent. It's Kane11.com slash diffs, promo code diffs for 20% off your first order. Our thanks to Kane 11 for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. <laughs> Do you want to uh, do Homecoming with or without a spoiler slot? Do you have good stuff to say about it? Interesting stuff to say about it? I don't know if I have anything that interesting to say about it. I think I think I kind of do. I want to hear, you know what? I will do whatever you want to do. I don't remember it all that well. You'll remind me of a lot of it, but it's been <laughs> several weeks since I watched it, and I shotgunned it real fast. 
but I'm sorry, I'm getting lots of messages about putting up the lights on the tree. We're having light problems. Um, I would, um, I would follow your lead. Do you, you pick uh, spoiler, I, spoiler. I, uh, what, what, what time are we at here? We're pretty late. One, one, all right. I think we can do a quick spoiler slot and then we'll be out. Okay. Uh, after this point, we will be discussing the help my memory, Amazon prime. Yes. Amazon prime show homecoming, uh, based on the hit Gimlet podcast from the company that takes a hundred employees to make those podcasts. Um, and, uh, it's got, uh, Julie Roberts and Oscar Isaacs and, uh, I, and it's by Sam Ismail, the guy who did Mr. Robot. Um, my provisional, uh, feeling would be it's worth watching. I thought there's a lot to like about it. And we'll be talking about that in the spoiler slot. Uh, how many, it's, didn't we agree we like this partly because the episodes are short and there's not that many of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many was there? Was it, was it 10? Uh, eight, uh, 10, 10, you're right, 10. Eight or 10. And they're like, as short as like 40 minutes. They go by real fast. And Oscar Isaacs is not in this, right? What am I saying? What are, Oscar Isaacs was in the podcast. I'm sorry. Oscar <laughs> Isaacs and Catherine Keener were in the podcast by Gimlet where they have 100 employees. Uh, this is the uh, the other guy whose name I don't know. Uh, yeah. There's lots of good people in this. Yeah, who else uh, is but in that, this? Yeah, that's all we'll be talking about for the rest of the show. You should watch it. It's short. Uh, we I just want to be super clear. Oscar Isaacs is not in this. Yes. And the episodes are 30 minutes long. Does it take place on Long Island? No. Florida. Okay. No spoilers. Yeah. Jim, would you uh, please give a give a shout of the um, spoiler horn? I cannot believe how long it's been since I watched this. I know as you talk about it, <laughs> I will remember tons about it. And I remember uh, really shotgunning these because they went down real easy. Yeah, they were short. Aspect and so ratios, we- weird lenses. Yeah, so th- this series... Th- th- 10 30 minute episodes which is fairly short the story is fairly straightforward um i i was i think it described as not as flashy or not as showy as mr robot which is uh you know by the same person um mostly because like the story doesn't have like a million moving parts and like seven levels of unreliable narrator and weird effects it doesn't have that it's just a very straightforward story yep uh told uh pretty well but it has a lot to do with memory um and there's two things that i you know, we, we talked about a lot of the, the memory blanking stuff. That's a key part of the, the plot. But the the aspect ratio thing, that's the, the one the one thing that I will probably remember about this series as it slowly fades from my memory, because I have Scott McNulty disease as well after I watch something or, you know, especially if it's not if it's not doesn't if it's not the most amazing thing I've seen, the details of it don't stick with me as long as they used to. Aspect aspect ratio used. Tell me if I'm wrong. Aspect ratio used one way through almost all of the episodes yeah. and then used very differently at the end. Yeah. So, well, the. the 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 show has a uh here you are in the present and here's mm-hmm. the past and the present is like four by three ish like a square type frame i don't know if it's exactly square or four by three it's, if it, it becomes the equivalent of a, what, what you almost say a flash forward like the main thing we're watching happened in the past the things that are happening quote unquote now are in look like almost like pal yeah they're in they're in they're in a square and then mm-hmm. the past is like traditional 16 by 9 you know widescreen modern modern television and I, I don't know what other effects they're doing to the things the filters or all sorts of other things that i'm missing but the it's, thing almost like, everyone, it's almost got like a vignette it's real it's kind of pretty noisy and it's it's got sort of distortion around the edges yeah and as you watch a show you you learn that like what they're trying what they're trying to say it's, it's not particularly subtle it's like yeah, in the, in the present day you don't have the full picture like you have <laughs> they do captain view. america civil war st- uh, sized location intercards <laughs> Yeah, and like, and so Julie Roberts, the, the star, the main character, is sort of her her POV. Like she she's got blinders on in the present day. That there are things that she doesn't know 
things that she's not seeing. And then when we go back to the past, you know, the, we see what what actually happened, but we we eventually see that the present Julia Roberts doesn't know a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in the past or has forgotten it or misremembers it or is not connected to it in the way that we are, right? Mm-hmm. And so they do that in the first episode, and it's not... I don't know if it's 50-50, but there's a tremendous amount of present day. Like, So you spend a lot of time in the show watching on your widescreen television or iPod or whatever a picture that's a square. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got big black on the left and right side well, this of it. Is, this is full spoiler, so I think we can say... Like in the in the what we will call the past, she oh if you had to clock her like if you had to like guess her like profession and level of education like she seems like she could she might even be an MD she's some kind of like a medical or psychological professional wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, as as the show, uh, she seems very she seems very eager and she's an she's an important person. But she's got a giant paneled office and a and a fishbowl and it's like right, but all but also uh, you can see from the beginning and they eventually reveal that that she this is a reach job for her and that that actually becomes an important factor in how she's being manipulated that you actually want someone for whom this is a reach job. But but in the in the present day, she's a waitress. Yeah, right. It's a big step down. From having the paneled office and, you know. I mean, she's not, like, working as a, like, part-time, like, nurse or a veterinary assistant. Like, she's in a completely different ballpark. And she doesn't remember anything about the other part. Yeah, it doesn't even seem to be the same person in terms of the same uh, ambition and kind of, like, she just seems to be kind of sleepwalking through her life. And so you've got this the aspect ratio, you know. The, well, can, the we, can we just, like, are we, we're assuming people already saw this? Yeah, it's a, it's a so, so you know that her job. Well, some people are not. They're going to skip it and get mad at us. So what what we're presented with was that she's working with some kind of a facility that is helping people who have come back from uh, service in the military overseas. Uh, easy enough to intuit people with PTSD to help them reintegrate into the community. Um, this is like kind of like a high end halfway house and, and therapeutic center. When you say mm-hmm. it kind of reads as that, okay. And and the and the and the restaurant is more like one of those restaurants you'd go to near the water. Yeah, it's not not, it even, it's not even a particularly not even a particularly nice restaurant. But no, she seems she seems like she's a good waitress, and she seems like she's good at the job in the past too. But they seem very disconnected, and so they do that thing in episode one with the with the square thing. And I was thinking, like, how is this going to resolve itself? And the answer, if you keep watching the show, is more or less it doesn't. They do that for pretty much the entire run of the show. The present is in a little square, and the past is in widescreen. And after episode one, you understand. Look, I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. In the present, there are things that she doesn't know. In the present, she doesn't have the full picture. Like, I get it. But episode after episode, they just stick to it. Oh, wow. Past, that's a good way to... Past, well, it doesn't get the whole picture. Mm, past, that's past good. Is, past, yeah, past is widescreen, and present is the little square, right? To the mm-hmm. point where, at a certain point, you're just like, like this is just what this show is like. You just, like, uh, you just settle in. You're like, I guess this is just what... It, it's not just like a thing they did for an episode. It's not a gimmick. It's not a gag. Mm-hmm. This is just how this show is being presented. You, you become to accept it, right? And... You know, it's 10 episodes, right? Eight that's episodes right. in. Eight episodes into the show. They pay off the aspect ratio thing. They they wait eight episodes. They go, when, the whole, when do we do the, remember when we first see it? Yeah. So there is a point in the show where she... I, I didn't realize it until it had been going on for a while. And, that was, <laughs> and then as soon as I realized that I was really unmoored. Yeah. So there is a point in the show where she... The, the present, Julia Roberts realizes all the things that she previously wasn't seeing about the past and a very dramatic scene in which they they show her and that she has a realization and the sides of the picture go out and she finally gets the whole picture and they wait 
eight episodes of a 10 episode series to pay that off. And so I, what I tweeted about it is like, if there was an Oscar or an Emmy or whatever for most patient payoff, this would be it. Because if you have a thing mm-hmm. like this, you're like, oh, I can't wait to pay this off. Would you wait the whole run of your show? And like the second to last or third to last, like mm-hmm. incredible patience. And I think that for that reason, I will remember this show for that. You might call it a gimmick or a gag or, but I don't think it mm-hmm. is. I think it would have been a gag if you did it like in episode one or two, right? Instead, this is a whole show that was shot this way to the point where you become acclimated to it and they get to pay it off. It, they pay it off after the point where you, you stop thinking about the fact that they're going to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And somehow then the payoff works better, right? That it's it's more mind blowing after you've accepted that this is just a thing that's like you you adjust you, your expectations in the same way. I think a more uh, common or widely seen trope is the current is in color and the past is in black and white. Like there's, right. that's kind of a convention of storytelling in televisual things. And I've never, I don't think I've seen too many places that mixed it up like this. Yeah, it's 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 fairly daring to do that with the aspect ratio, and it's daring to like like. I don't know if it's a realization that this is the only way you could pay it off satisfyingly. You have to get people used to the idea that you're never going to pay it off. This is just, like you said, this is just the way it's going to be. Like the sepia tone, the past is sepia and the present is color, or whatever. And yeah. like you're not expecting any kind of payoff for that. But what, you know, after watching all these episodes, you start to forget the idea like, surely in this show, the, the there is going to be a dramatic turn where she finally realizes what she didn't know about the past. Otherwise, you don't really have a story. And when they do that, surely they will change the aspect ratio, right? But you totally forget about that until it happens. You're watching the moment of realization, you're excited about it, and you've, you've long since forgotten about those black bars that are on the sign. You've totally, you totally don't see them anymore. Eight episodes in, you do not see those bars. It's just like, mm-hmm. this is just the show. You don't see them until they suddenly start moving. And it was, it was an amazing scene. I thought that was great. Um, and the other aspect of the show is touches on what, we, what we've talked about so far is that it is about memory and like the, the story is straightforward and the, the, these people come back and you realize it's some corporation trying to sell something to the, to the government for a system we have the system where your soldiers can come back and we can you know if they have ptsd we can help them i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be more deeply i mean that's that's obviously very disturbing but i thought it was going to be way more deeply disturbing that there would be something like where they're like <laughs> turning them into using them with some kind of juicer to create soldier sauce or something but the basic idea is that if we can take away their PTSD, we can get them back into service uh, more quickly. Right. And the way they take it away is by basically blanking out whatever memories are, tr- trying to blank out whatever like memories isolating. are isolating. Yeah, right, right. And it's all just everything you think is going to be the case, the big corporation and doing evil things. Like, yep, straightforward story. Uh, told well. It's, you know, perhaps the... Yeah, the, but like the, having Bobby C there, like he, I thought he was awful good in this. Yeah, no, everybody, this is a great example of a fairly straightforward story that does not have, like, it doesn't have some weird-ass twist where they're all aliens on a spaceship and, like, it's all happening in a VR. Like, there's none well, of like that, Well, like, they kept right? hinting at, like, they kept hinting at, like, I, I, I was shocked that that was Florida. I thought there's no way that's Florida. Yeah, that, that, that's, This has got to be, that, like, somewhere in Arizona or something, so, or somewhere, like, in another country. I, and I enjoy that type of thing, like, a couple, what show I was watching? Oh, uh... I'm watching uh, Electric Dreams, which is kind of like a middle of the road that anthology, loosely, yeah, sci-fi stories, and each show is an individual story. And they had a what I thought was a pretty good one that I watched last night called Safe and Sound that does the same type of thing where. We've seen so many shows where they want to tease, like, oh, they're actually, they think they're in Florida, but that's a, that's a lie. Like, the, the crazy person in the asylum is the only sane person, and really, again, they're on a spaceship, they're in the center of the Earth, or Earth has been, every living thing has uh, been destroyed on Earth for three million years, and they're trying to repopulate by, you know, all sorts of ideas go through your head. Um, 
and it gets you into the headspace of whichever character is the the one saying, don't you get it, man? Right. And you want to believe it, too, because you've seen TV shows like that. But the reality is much more prosaic. Most people who say, you know, they're all watching you and the government is shooting rays at your head or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're not actually correct. Uh, They're just they have they have a problem. And so this show. It's a classic kind of like the Twilight Zone thing that's been adopted in so many places like that. The the pretty good um, um, Black Mirror with the Star Trek guy. Mm-hmm, right, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But some of it where you've been transported to somewhere else. Or, for example, no spoilers, but have you seen Fallout? See it yet? Mission Impossible uh, Fallout? Mission Impossible, no. no. Okay. But there's a, there's a very, a fun deployment of that kind of a mind-screwing sort of thing in that. But, yeah, it's, it's such a trope that when, they, that when it's not there, you know, you're bracing for yeah, it. And especially from the guy who made Mr. Robot, which Absolutely. Uh, yeah. plays in, these ve- in a very clever way. And at this point, it, that's part of why I found the show refreshing is that at this point, not having a twist is a twist. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the uh, I and I found like to so the story, the straightforward story of someone who's a little bit in over their head, taken advantage of by a big corporation doing typical big corporation things. Uh, because the performances were so good and because it's so, you know, so artfully made, I found myself getting emotionally wrapped up in the, the characters, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, I don't know. I mean, Julie Roberts is, is, is a good actor, I guess, like surprise, like she's a movie uh-huh. star, but like, I, I, you know, I found myself invested, emotionally invested in this very straightforward story in a way that I wouldn't have predicted when I first started watching it. That's why I'd recommend people watch it. Now, how, how much it stays with me? I don't know. Like the main thing is going to stay with me, I think uh-huh. is is the the aspect ratio stuff and uh you know maybe the overall story but i i think it was really really well done and i'm this is the type of tv like there's no way the show would be on television when i was a kid in any way no it's 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 because it, it's it doesn't have uh we're, we're trying to avoid that word. well we're trying to avoid that word gimmick like it doesn't have like a twisty gimmick but it's it's just grown-up tv in some ways yeah. like it's not it's not like you know shocking and like it's funny though, like I'm I've, a funny a weird thing has happened in the last couple of months where there's this rat king of shows that I've consumed very quickly. I think you see most of them too. So like this, uh, Emma Stone, and uh, the guy from the other thing. What's that called? Maniac. Maniac. Um, I shotgun bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like there's a whole bunch of like you know pretty like above average dramas. Yeah that I've gone through in the last few months and, you know, moments and characters and something's really, you know, stick with me, but it's, um, I don't know, like Jason and Tim say times of confusion, like it's, it's interesting to see what does and doesn't get made. And like, I, I, my, uh, tip of the hat that they were able to pull something like this off and that he showed the restraint to, to lean on the, the production design. Certainly it's very thoughtfully, almost like over, dp'd <laughs> but like mm-hmm. it's uh it's uh i don't know i thought it, i thought it was real good and i guess i'm kind of glad there wasn't too many i don't know they had the, it had twists that you could expect but it was still i don't know it was the implementation it was all how yeah, I, I think it the was. performances shine too because you're not oh, yes. constantly trying to think around the people you just get to watch the people have these experiences and moments and the, the show does linger on people's faces and moments and you know that, that's to, to the degree like almost in what's a, the, what was the one with the family we, we watched uh, that we liked the uh, uh, succession succession's another good example of that succession like, is much more much more bubblegum than than uh, it was than but that homecoming. but that really is held aloft well i don't i don't want to sell anybody short a lot of people work hard on those things but like that show cast differently would not have made it past two or three episodes for me 
It was it was the cast and performances of that that really kept me watching. Homecoming dwelled on its characters and let them sort of emote to the camera in a way that reminded me of seventies movies, where mm-hmm. it seemed like that the seven in the movie movies in the seventies felt like they had all the time in the world. To do whatever it was that they were doing. Not that the movies were long, but there would be scenes. You, the pacing is real different. Yeah, for and sure. It's like we're gonna we're gonna show you this actor feeling <laughs> something for way longer than you would be allowed to do in a oh, modern 100%. movie. Have you have you shown your kids Mary Poppins in the last few years? I think we mostly that skip movie that one. is slow. Yeah, no, a lot of those like, movies, movies used bad. to be so slow. Right, and it's, and it's terrible when they're bad, but even with, like with dramatic 70s movies, even something like The Conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's scenes in The Conversation, they're like, that could be a modern scene if it was half the length. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally true. They felt like they, had, they could luxuriate in it. And so this, you know, Homecoming luxuriates in the ability to show you, uh, you know, Julia Child's, uh, Julia Child's, Julia Roberts' uh, emotional <laughs> journey. and be funny. And, you, and really, really make you feel for it. The, the thing that made me feel for the most is like, when you realize that, Again, this is a step-up job for her. Mm-hmm. That she shouldn't have really gotten this job, but that bad guy Bobby picked her because she was in over her head and eager to please and wouldn't ask questions and doesn't know enough to know how yeah. unethical and terrible it is. Like, that she's... that she That's why she got the job. She's because back she on was, her heels. She was yeah. the patsy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hard, and she, she was trying so hard and cared so much and wanted to do, but, like, was just taken advantage of like everybody else, and it was just heartbreaking. Yeah. And the ambiguous ending, like I mean, that's they had to revert to form a little bit there. Like, yeah, that reminded me of your Sopranos a little bit. That was um, that was a strange ending. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't a successful Sopranos. They wanted well, not no, to take no, any no, two no. on the ending. They wanted to make it. Does he remember? Does he not remember? Because that one, that's an example of that's a funny one. Because what's well, a funny one? Homecoming, the show we just talked about. The homecoming. Sorry, um, bodyguard. <laughs> it's all rat yes, to me, John. Yes, I did see bodyguard. Did we talk through. about? I, did we talk I, about I like it on here? I liked it. No, we haven't. I liked it a lot too. Now, here's the thing about that. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say that. Well, first of all, like the the first episode, especially the opening sequence, I think is very much. Yeah, the show's got a good hook. Extremely (laughs) good. And you know, if you like, if you like, uh, which one is that? That's Rob. Rob Snow. Yep. Um, Well, he's awful good in this. Yeah. Um, But you're going to realize pretty quickly whether this is for you. Um, Let's say by the second or third episode, there's going to be stuff happening where you're going to be like, "Oh, really?" Like really, as early as the second episode, you're gonna yeah, be like, really? yeah, no, that, really. That's why I, I, when when that happened, I was like, so that's what the kind of show. This so is that's be. how I, it is I, in the movie. Yeah, well, like the it. first the first episode is like it's it's not a Swiss clock, but it's pretty. It keeps pretty good time. It's a hook. It's a hook. A hell and, of a hook. Well, and but like it, there's a, a through line through it, and by the time you get to the end, it's told a real good story, setting up this very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say partway into the third, may, second, maybe into the third, you're going to go, really? And you will have to potentially buy in or not. It's not like a giant, like, do you believe these are really aliens thing? It's more like, okay, is that okay that that's what this show is? I'm just going to say, if you can buy in and stick with it through two, three, four, as it gets a little bit more like itself than it started out as, I think the last episode of that show was so good except my wife and I watched the last one separately and we were both so goddamn angry by the last few minutes of that episode. And it's like, it's, it had been so good at being what it was. And I guess, you know, in for a dime, in for a dollar, I should be as okay with that ending as I would be by the developments in the middle episodes, which were ludicrous. But, (laughs) but like, I just, but you get to the end and I I don't want to spoil it, but again, that's a show I would highly, highly recommend. But like, I kind of went away with a weird taste in my mouth. 
because oh, yeah. of the they, very, yeah, very they, end. They, 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 they did not stick the landing, to say the least. They um, didn't. Well, they, you know what they did? They did, a, they did a blue velvet. They did a Brazil. They did a really? They did a, are you sure that's the end? Is that mm. really the end? They, yeah, it was that. Is that bird supposed to look real? Like that kind of thing? <laughs> no, it was worse than that. Like, because it was, it was an unforced error. There's no, they didn't need to go there. Like, here's the thing. They teased it. So I, they telegraphed it. So I, I predicted it, but I was like, please don't do that. Well, by the Please reintroduction, by the reintroduction of a certain character in the last episode, you know something is very much going to go one direction or another. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's but not the, useful if you haven't the, seen but it. They, but they telegraphed it so heavily, and I was yeah. like, "Ha ha, you got me! You telegraphed that thing, but you're not going to do it, right? You're not going to." And I was like, "Oh my god!" So the thing, the thing I loved about Bodyguard is the sort of non-U.S. sensibilities, and I just assume that like <laughs> show, shows in the U.K. are more willing to do this, like doesn't it doesn't fit into any of the forms of american shows because if you watch the first episode you can imagine an american show where every week there's an episode just like that it'd be like 24 yeah or similar right. or, no, some, or, some or of, even, or, even or, more episodic more yeah. more episodic than 24 even like not well, even you that know, much an action of an spy show right and then by the second episode you're like oh maybe it's gonna be this thing it's like no that's the thing that's gonna happen in episode two mm-hmm. and maybe in the third episode it's gonna be this and like this is one of those shows kind of like uh kind of like uh the hundred which does this on a per season basis. Okay. They're like, you know, we have so much story that, you know, some shows milk it for, like, for all like it's it like changes the genre. Not just changes the genre. So it takes something like cheers where it's, you get like, uh, what's his name? Ted Danson and, and, uh, Shelley long, right? Willie, yeah. won't they, or moonlighting, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You can milk that for a whole freaking show. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in, uh, you know, what you wouldn't expect is, uh, in moonlighting in episode two that they hook up. And in episode three, uh, they get married. In episode four, uh, they get divorced. In episode five, one of them dies. They'd be like, well, what are you doing? You, you're burning through all your story. You've gone five episodes in and everything that can happen well, has mean, happened. Do you think Seinfeld would have run? <coughs> I'll put it this way. I don't think Seinfeld would have run for eight years or whatever if we hadn't met Jerry and Elaine after their breakup. It's, criti- it's critical to the show that there not be constant, nearly actionable sexual tension between them. Mm-hmm. It's a bit in one episode or maybe two episodes. I think mostly one episode. But like the fact that we meet them after their relationship is over is so great. And, and, and that show did milk its relationships for a long time as well. But like it, in most shows with plot, take any any modern show. You can't burn through all your story. Like you'll be out of story. It's too much stuff that has happened. But this type of show is like, sure, we can. We can do whatever the hell we want. And the hundred does it where it's like the hundred is an end of the world type thing. And you're like, all these people in this dire situation. And here they are. And it's like they don't do this in the hundred but they might as well say and the next episode they'll be on mars or the next season they'll be on mars like what what and then like okay well i guess the rest of the show is going to be on mars like nope actually the episode after that they're not going to be on mars they're going to be on an island in the pacific like wait wait a second i thought this was a show about people on mars nope but the show is whatever the hell we want it to be you can tell us what this show is right gotta keep guessing guessing. Mm -hmm. yeah very unconventional and there's something kind of major that happens what around episode five four or five yeah, we were like, they would never have done that in America. Like, you no, don't like, do they, that. You, you can't. You can't tell them what they're going to do with their show. They no, can do whatever English. the hell they want. That's right. They got the BBC license there, and and they can't. So I think Bodyguard was vaguely successful, and they're thinking maybe a season two. I'm like, don't do a season two. Stop you, doing seasons despite two. Despite the fact that you blew the ending, fine, mm-hmm. whatever. You got a. This is the thing. You did it. You did a show. <laughs> he retires in one week. <laughs> Right, yeah, because that because you can't do that pace and then say, and also there's going to be 17 seasons of this because you just you can't. Yeah, you could go supernatural and maybe somebody comes back from the dead. Mom, I don't watch that show. Mom, mom. 
Well, I, oh, and by the way, that's one of I'm watching that Electric Dreams anthology show. Rob mm-hmm. Stark was in it too. I'm like, this guy Get is out. doing doing all. He yeah, he shows up. I'm watching an episode. I was like, hey, I just saw you. You were a bodyguard. Now I think he did this before that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was the good episode. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't safe and sound. It was the slightly less good episode. It, it's fun watching these anthology shows because you're called? like, Boy. I, so I wrote down Safe and Sound. What's the other one? Uh, the one right before Safe and Sound. Read me the title of the. Uh, Oh, I want there. I'm just writing in my notes. One right before Safe and Sound. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I like these anthology shows because I love mm-hmm. just watching one and being like, "That was a stinker." But you're like, "So what?" On to the next one. The the Hoodmaker. The Hoodmaker is the, the Hoodmaker. Hoodmaker's got Rob Stark and Safe and Sound. Both of those are the best of the Electric Dream series so far. Thank you for that. You're saving me some time. Yeah, oh, boy, so there much. are some stinkers in there. <laughs> are you the one who recommended Godless? <laughs> yes, that's really that good. That was you on Slack. Yes. So I I, should, I don't know anything about Godless. Should I go in cold? What is it? Is, is it? Uh, well, sorry. Where do I see it, Godless? Uh, Netflix maybe. It's a western. So I'm not spoiling okay. anything. Of that nope, nope, nope. Godless, <laughs> right? Godless, Godless. Wrote it down. Wrote it down. Yeah, and Alias Grace. I think I talked to you about that before, right? Oh yeah, I started that. Uh, that Alias Grace is the. I know this. I know this. That's the um, uh, Handmade Lady, right? Yeah, Margaret Atwood, mm-hmm. based on a Margaret Atwood story. Um, I mean, Alias Grace is. is not to everyone's taste. Godless, I think, is straight up. If you if you like, you know, Western drama sure, things. Sure, I like, like a Western drama. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is, and all it's right. a good one. I'm there. No, I, I feel bad that we recommended all these shows and episodes after the spoiler slot. Maybe I feel should, bad about everything, John. We'll, we'll have to hoist them back up. You we'll know? hoist them. We'll uh, hoist you them. You mean you feel badly? <clears throat> I I don't know. See, I think people say badly because they want to sound fancy. Yeah, they don't. They don't know. It's what like it people just... are saying, like uh, they came to the library with James and I. It's mm-hmm, like, well, I know mm-hmm. you think you sound like Thurston Howell, but that's not correct. Don't don't yeah, say they that. Don't, they don't actually know the rules. They just know. The I think thing I think that Donald Trump says badly when he means bad. No, I feel please, bad about no. this. No, we made the whole show without, and now you got to. If he's that saying, up. if he's saying, that's, I feel badly no. about this, that means he's not good at how he feels about that, things. Speaking of blank spots in your mind, I had not mm-hmm. thought about that for ninety minutes or so, and now it's bad. The fact that he's president. Yeah. Or exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mom. Mm-hmm.